What's new listeners? I'm Audra Howell, the host of Two Cents Critic. If you want to move for reviews of books, movies, and TV shows, then join in. Today, we're doing the fourth and final episode of Two Cents Critic Merry Month. Yes, this whole month of December, we've been covering Christmas media on the show, on the podcast, and now we're up to the ending of the month. And not only that, but the ending of the year of 2023. And on this episode, we're discussing the 1980 Christmas slasher horror movie, Christmas Evil. And to discuss that movie, we're bringing back my friend, Robin, who was already on the show before to discuss She's All That. And Robin is a big She's All That fan, so... And, and I'm glad to have you back, Robin. Say hello, hello. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, um... So I watched this movie for the first time... What day? It's the 21st yeah. today while we're recording. I watched this movie nine days ago for the first time. And it is just, it, it, I fell in love with it from the moment. But it's it's kind of funny because last time I was on here, my good word was for Serial Mom, which is a John Waters movie. Yes. And the reason I found out about this movie is because John Waters plays it every year at his Christmas party. Yes, yes. It's his favorite Christmas movie, <laughs> which absolutely makes sense. You know what? I actually still need to see something of his, a movie of his at the very least, because I've never seen a John Waters movie, but I'm aware of his style, just looking at it from the outside, and I feel like it'd be interesting to watch at the very least. I'd like to see if, if, if I'd vibe with his style. Yeah, he, he's lots of fun, I think. Yeah. <gasps> uh, One of my favorites, for sure. Yes, and, and Robin, Robin Tabakovic, I should also say for listeners who maybe didn't listen to uh, your podcast on She's All That. I'll introduce you by introducing your Letterboxd Top 4 that you have right now. They are... Oh, shit. <laughs> I don't even know what it is right now. Okay, that's fine. Never mind. <laughs> I didn't even... Oh, I couldn't remember what I had. It's okay. I have it listed right here. You've got The Toxic Avenger, Blackberry, Bottoms, and Killers of the Flower Moon. The way you sounded so shocked, though, it sounded like you were worried... It made it sound like you have, like, I don't know, 50, sh- 50 shades of grey on your top four or something like that. It's because for the longest time, for the longest time, it was just the house that Jack built four times. <laughs> <laughs> and I, th- I forgot that I changed it. <laughs> I was like, oh god. Well, if that was what had happened, it would have been very... Which I stand by, by the way. Very intriguing. Ah. <sighs> <sighs> But I mean, this movie is just Christmas, the house that Jack built, kind of. So. <laughs> that is a really interesting comparison. I don't. I, I feel like someday I'll, I might watch uh, that movie. It's actually, the house that Jack built. Honestly, it's Christmas Taxi Driver, but. Oh. <laughs> Man, um, you know what? Actually, no, it's more Christmas Joker than it is Christmas Taxi Driver. Oh. Which is. I, yeah, okay. In very interesting comparison. Very interesting. Ah, <laughs> uh, and. Before we even uh, say, talk more about the movie, I do want to say that again, this is the last episode of 2023. And we're recording this before the year wraps up. And this is a year that's been notable for things like Barbenheimer. Remember that? That optimistic movie event. And the WGA and SAG after strikes. And the long awaited passing of Henry Kissinger. The genocide that Israel is committing against Palestine right now. 
so many things happening throughout the year. Do you have any thoughts on Express? Any quick thoughts? I, you know what? My first thought was actually kind of, I, I kind of just remembered this. I completely forgot to watch Barbie or Oppenheimer. <laughs> like this year, I still haven't seen them. Oh! Oh um, no! Wow. I, I'm one of those fuckers that's running for uh, holdovers for Best Picture. <laughs> I'm one of those assholes. <laughs> well, I haven't seen the holdovers, so I can't say about that, but I've heard it's very good, and I am excited for it. It is, it is movie of the fucking year. But, Robin, Robin, I do gotta say, Either that or killer. please, watch Barbenheimer, okay? I, I will. I think me and my fiancé are gonna actually watch Barbie on Christmas Ooh, Eve. Ooh, that would be good. That would be good. <gasps> Ah, uh, and as for my brief thoughts, well, I'll just say that, hey, 2023, it's had some ups, it's got some major downs, and I just hope, you know, I feel like I'm always like, hey, you know what, for next year, I hope next year has some great shit for us, and I do feel reluctant to say that with full strength, just because I'm like, hey, I think 2024 just might open without a ceasefire. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I love uh, I love for a feminist ceasefire to happen, but uh, I don't think I don't think the U.S. will be doing that anytime soon. Honestly, I think Joe Biden is too busy sucking at the teat of Israel. Uh, oh well. Uh, it's so it's so weird to like. I'm so used to podcasts that are so apolitical. It's so fucking awesome <laughs> to be on this one. <laughs> That's the funniest thing in the world. Well, if you know me, and obviously you know me, you're my friend, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a very political figure. I, I, I've spoken very openly about on my show. I'm a, I'm a leftist. I'm definitely a leftist. I think watching Palestine has only radicalized me more and cemented my leftist position personally. And I'm just like, oh, this is terrible. I am. I am uh, devastated at the state of humanity. Why humanity? Why must you disappoint me? But um, a spark of hope does remain in my heart for the people who actually do give a shit about people and murder and genocide. Yeah. <sighs> There's always the Yeah, the hope, the hope. Well, those are our brief thoughts on the year in 2023 and going into the new year, 2024. So... Let's switch on over to Christmas Evil, and this is a movie that was directed by, written, written and directed actually, by Lewis Jackson, who hasn't done anything else too major. I mean, the, uh, there is something that he's done called The Transformation, A Sandwich of Nightmares, and uh, I don't know, I, I think it's a movie, but I, I don't know, I don't know if we can watch it, it's a, I don't know, I couldn't find it streaming anywhere, but that's something for Lewis Jackson. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what's going on with Lewis Jackson. Like, Chris, he, he don't, he doesn't really exist. I think Christmas Evil is the big thing for him. And hey, you know what? I feel like if that's gonna be a big thing for you, I'm, I, I feel like that's pretty good. You know, I do like this movie. I'll just say that. You know, it's a very good movie. So, it's a good. Yeah, co- like I found, I found an interview with him, <laughs> and um, I was reading it the other day, and it, it's literally, it's from two thousand five. And it's him saying that he's planning a trilogy of movies, and one of them was about someone who kills people that use SUVs or cell phones. And then oh. I go to check IMDb, and it's like two credits. Last credit was 2003. Wow. Like, okay. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. Just, it was so funny. I don't know where you uh, sometimes he Sometimes the filmmakers just disappear. Or maybe not, not even entirely disappear, but just 
Just somewhere, off on a farm, maybe, or in outer space. <gasps> and... Yeah, just, just gone. <laughs> and Christmas Evil, it had a budget of $850,000, which is quite admirable. I like that, keeping it small. And the box office, however, I could not find any reportings for the box office. Which is like, really? Oh, like, yeah. this movie was that small that it didn't even have any reportings? Okay, that's... That's sad. Yeah, it is insane how little there is to be learned about this. And uh, the, the trivia is, I feel like, delivering now, I would say that, well, you know, John Waters, you know, you brought up John Waters. This is his favorite Christmas movie, which is fitting. He shows it at his annual Christmas party. And the original title for this movie was You Better Watch Out. And you can actually see it in the, in the title card. But... Which is, is better. That's a better Personally, title. yeah. And, okay, here's the thing. I, I gotta admit For this. Sure. Christmas Evil. I, it took me a while, a while to realize that this was meant to be a pun. <laughs> I was looking at that title, yeah. and I was like, Christmas Evil. It's like uh, a fine title, but nothing memorable. And then I realized, oh, Christmas Eve Evil. Okay. Now it sticks my brain a little more. But even then, I still prefer... You better watch out more. Yeah, it's a it's a much better. Yeah, movie. and that was the original title, but it was changed without any of input from Jackson. And apparently, he learned he first learned of this new title when he got a, a poster from the marketers from the marketing team, and that's when he learned about the title. Which is, uh, I'd be pretty pissed if I were in that position. Yeah, it, it's um, it's kind of shocking when you look into it how little Lewis Jackson actually has to do with this movie. <laughs> Because, like, he wrote and directed it, but, like, there was also the... I'm sorry if you can hear those sirens. I don't know what the hell eh, going it's all right. Um, There might be a killer sound. <laughs> Anyways. Um, <laughs> but uh, Lewis Jackson, like, in that interview I was reading, he was talking about the... Uh, I think it was the 4K that was released by Troma. He didn't know about that <laughs> for, like, a few years, I think, is what he was saying or something like that. Ah. Uh. He, he had no idea that that ever had, like, came out. Yeah, that is that, that is odd, very odd. And the dancing, there's a small scene where there's, like, some dancing in the movie, and apparently it was choreographed by Meryl Streep's brother. And... What the fuck? And John Waters was unaware that Streep even had a brother. This was revealed during a commentary track with Jackson and Waters for Christmas Evil's. I mean, I'll admit, I mean, I wasn't aware that Meryl Streep had a filter either, so... Sorry, I, sorry, fire trucks just pulled up outside my apartment, I'm very confused. Um, <laughs> this happens way too often. No, but yeah, I didn't, I had no idea Meryl Streep had a brother. Yeah, yeah. And Jackson, he was asked to make an Easter Bunny horror movie, but he rejected that opportunity. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> he rejected it. That's, that's a shame. That's a, he's kind of, kind of dropped the ball on that one. yeah. Why aren't there any Easter horror movies? I feel like we need a major Easter horror movie. And all the fake snow was cut off pieces of plastic bags blown around by a fan. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> that is not good. No, no, no. Jackson came up with the idea for this movie after smoking some weed one night. <laughs> <laughs> one night. That's, that checks. That checks absolutely. <laughs> Also, that's how Taxi Driver was written, I'm pretty sure. 
<laughs> oh, that is so fitting, so appropriate. But specifically, Jackson did this during the 70s, smoking for weed, getting crispy, and seeing a vision of Santa Claus holding a knife. <laughs> oh, you're such a liar. That did not. <laughs> uh, Kathleen Turner oh, was turned oh, down for the role as Harry's sister-in-law. Yeah, that really, that that was really um crazy to me. Yeah. She was, uh, what, sorry, what was her name again? I just forgot it. Kathleen Turner. Yeah, Kathleen Turner, um, who is the lead in Serial Mom. She is fantastic in that movie. Yes, and she, and so it, she it is a real body heat. Shame. She was in body heat as well. Which was really- oh, I had no idea about that. <gasps> Yeah, like, where she had her, her debut film role, Body Heat, which I enjoyed, by the way. I'll recommend that for any neo-noir fans out there. If you haven't seen it yet, like, I recommend checking it out. Kathleen Turner, William Hurt, even Mickey Rourke in a small role, Ted Danson in another, in another small role. You say Mickey Rourke? <laughs> yep. Yep. Again, small role. Oh, I was thinking about Mickey Rooney. Never mind. <laughs> False alarm. I was about to be like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, no, Mickey Rourke. We should have we should have talked about the Silent Night Deadly Night movie that has Mickey Rooney in it. <laughs> oh, really? Wow! Part five, the Toy Maker. It is oh my god, bad. Oh man, very nice. He plays a character whose name is Joe Petto. <laughs> the Toy Maker. Uh, and then one more fact I'll deliver. And one more fact I'll deliver is there's a part in the movie where Harry slips and falls while running, and that was not part of the script. It was accidental. Brandon Maggard, the actor who plays Harry, really did slip, and it was just used in the movie. Oh, wait, I actually, I got one more fact about it that I just remembered. Um, The actor that plays the main character, the actor that plays Harry, Brandon Maggard, is Fiona Apple's dad. Yes! And this is like his only movie, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) But he's good. I really like him in this movie. No, like, he's fantastic. Oh no, uh, that, that's true. And well, you know, I'll give him praise as well. But I'll just say right now, yes, he's actually really good in this movie. And that's that's all the trivia I have to say. So I feel like let's just dive into our general thoughts and feelings, non spoilery of course, on Christmas Evil. Robin, what do you think? Well, as I as I said at the top of the show, I I watched this about nine days ago and fell in love with it instantly. It's a special movie because I, I really, I was complaining earlier to a lot of people about how there's no good Christmas horror movies. Like, I like Krampus. That's kind of it. And I was really bummed out that there was no good Christmas horror. And so I was like, I'm going to watch some garbage, garbage trash Christmas slasher movie. And so I just, I was like, what's well, got the stupidest name? And I went with Christmas Evil. And then I came out of it being like, that was a five star character study for fucking no reason. <laughs> Like, it is unreasonable how much it exceeded my expectations. Yeah, I gotta agree with you there. This was a movie that exceeded my expectations as well, and, like, a movie that's far better than it should be. It's kind of like Krampus in that way, which, by the way, Krampus, I covered that on on Two Cent Critic earlier this month, and Krampus was another movie where I was going into it hoping to enjoy it, and then I came out of it, and I'm like, wait a second, this is a really good movie, four and a half the stars for for Krampus. Yeah, it's a. I love Krampus. It's a fantastic. One. Yes, and listeners, if you haven't listened to that episode, go and listen to it. My friends Jared and Misty, we all give it praise. So that was a great time. And Christmas Evil again, another movie that was better than it should be. Uh, it's basically this. 
as you said, Robin, character study on Harry, Harry Stadling, who is an interesting character because he is he he's human. He's a human character. He's menacing to all points where I can sympathize with him, where I see him as a human being, and it really does help that that Brandon Maggard is really able to flesh out this role and restrain himself. Like he he's not do he's not playing this in a, in a too over the top way. Like yes, he has some moments where he's adding on to it more, he's playing it up more. And those moments where it's like, oh, like, you know, his mind is fraying. But even then, it's like, it doesn't feel out of place. It feels just right, and it doesn't take away from the other moments where he is more low-key, again, more restrained. And just, you know, putting that aside, you know, just putting that aside, I feel like the movie, it looks good. I love the visual boards, like cinematography. I feel like the cinematography has a nice... Like a shine to it, a nice nostalgic shine, kind of like a, a Vaseline filter sort of thing. Yeah, it, I don't know if I'd call it a Vaseline filter so much as like, it's got a nice glossy look to it, I think. A glossy look. Yes, yes, that's good, that's good, I think, yes. I think and they the really want lighting, like, the, the lighting. Christmas, the Christmas, like, and I don't know how to explain it, but like, the Christmas shine, I guess, in this movie. Definitely, yes. Even with the, the lighting... And pretty much a Christmas vibe. And the movie, it's got some interesting themes going on. Poking at Christmas, at the ideas of Christmas, and corporations. Yeah. It takes a bit of a corporations that engage in some performative activism. I found that to be quite intriguing. Again, not necessary. It's not necessary for a movie like this to engage with such meat. Yeah, it has a really nice, like, blue-collar kind of feel to it. Yeah, yeah, like, it, it does. It's, it's a working-class hero thing. Yeah, exactly, and and also, Brandon Maggard, notable that he is actually in Dress to Kill. He's credited as uh, Cleveland Sam. And I can't remember who that was, because I, re- I saw the movie, but I can't remember who that was. But he was in Dress to Kill, so he's got that going for him. Nice. Both that and Christmas Evil. Nice. Which is good, which is good. And... Yeah. Even like dark comedy, I feel like this movie has some good darky comedic beats with meshes with the Christmas horror, but going into consumerism, capitalism of Christmas. Even like kind of like the, I feel like this also takes some jabs at Santa, at the figure of Santa and how kind of disturbing Santa is when you really think about him. And just, you know, stalkery. He can be seen as a stalkery figure. I feel like this oh movie- yeah, for sure. <laughs> So, like this movie the does. Picture of Susie on the bedside table. <laughs> yeah, the movie points it out, and and even in my letterbox review, I praise the score for being eerily twinkly. Oh yeah, that was um my fiance watched it with me, and that was her main thing. She was like, "This music is scary as shit." <laughs> <laughs> yes, but again, eerily twinkly. Like yes, it has a Christmas vibe to it, but it's scary. It's like oh, something is off kilter here. The score by by honestly, it might be the only like kind of movie that can do that sort of childish thing being scary. Mm, like a, a Christmas horror movie, you mean? Yeah, like I don't know. It, it it has that. It has that. Um, the diversion of nostalgic things to to create scares for the audience. I see that. It's I it's real that. popular right now, but it's done very lazily right now. Where I think this movie does it really smartly with the music. Yeah, the score by Joel Harris, Julia Hayward, and Don Christensen. Yes, yes, I, I like the score very much. And I will say, I do think the pacing, 
uh, can get slow at some parts of the movie, and maybe the plotting could have could could have been tighter. But honestly, like when those beats come up, it's like, and I feel like they're not major. They're pretty minor gripes. You know, really weigh down the movie too much, and I just you know overall really enjoy this movie all the way up to the the ending. That's very surreal ending, which is like, oh, okay, that was a choice to go for that. I like this kind of a- ambiguous conclusion. I uh, yeah, I love that ending. <laughs> that was that was part of what cemented it as one of my favorites. I can see that. I can see that. And and by the way, this movie is quite short too. It's only an hour and a half, so easy to consume. Well, that's my, those are my general thoughts and feelings on Christmas Evil. Again, I really wish it could have had the You Better Watch Out as an official title, but oh well. Those are my thoughts. Now, I think it's time for us to go to the wind-up score part of the yeah. show. Wind-up scores. This is where we each give a score that ranges from 0 to 100. So, Robin, what is your wind-up score for Christmas Evil? I'm going to come in with a shocker and give it a 100. <laughs> Oh damn! Hot damn! This might be this might be the ya- the Jagger talking the Christmas Jagger in my system. Robin, but, you didn't even give the score to she's all that. Nah, this movie's perfect. <laughs> like just straight up. I oh, love it so much. Okay. It, it's my second favorite okay. Christmas movie. Wait, what's your top? What's the number one? Holdovers. Oh, okay, makes sense. Makes Holdovers sense. was that good. It's better than this, but not by much. Because <laughs> oh, I I love wow. this movie. That's good, that's good. You know what? Okay, that's good. 100 for you. For me, it'll be 80 out of 100. Okay. Yeah. I can live with that. You can. You can live with this. 80 out of 100. Quite good, you know? Yeah. It's not like I gave it a 60 out of 100, okay? It's, it's 80. And praising the movie, again, better than I expected it to be. Far better. And it's a simple premise, too. A Santa Killer. We've had quite a few of those movies, but this particular one, it really does mix together a nice formula. Gives me some creepy tension. Gives me some grim chuckles. A, a, a good movie that I would recommend checking out. And I'm, and I'm glad that we'll be able to dive into it. And that's coming up. Plot Breakdown. Because listeners, now. Plot Breakdown is coming up. So if you haven't seen Christmas Evil from 1980. Again, maybe you should pause the podcast. Go out, watch it. But if you have already seen it. Or you haven't. But you're here with spoilers. Then you can stay right here. And okay, Christmas Evil. We open on Christmas Eve, 1947, with a voiceover just reading the beginning of The Night Before Christmas, as Santa Claus arrives at the startling household through the chimney, with two boys and her mom spying on him from the stairs. And in this particular scene, this is where this really stuck out to me, the lighting, really providing the Christmassy look here. And uh, even like the, the, the twinkling tree ornaments. Yeah, <laughs> my actual favorite thing about this is the when he comes down the chimney and you, and it cuts to the family, they are all just blank faced, <laughs> just staring at it like they don't know what to think. They're like, "Oh, whatever, great, dumbass, fucking." <laughs> yeah, like blank face. Yeah, yeah, like not not even really shock, is it? Well, what was it shock? Or was it just blank face? <laughs> It's, it's so funny. And Santa is here. There's, there's a milk and cookies laid out for him. He leaves the gift behind. He does that nose gesture, touching his nose, the side of his nose. Classic Santa. Real Santa going on. Yes. But they were in bed. One of the sons, Harry, thinks that the Santa was dead. 
and his brother Philip just leaves him. And I won't say at first, I thought it was actually the other way around. I was confused. Wait, you thought it was that that Harry thought it was their father? Wait, no, it, 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 it was Harry who thought it was dad, wasn't it? No, because the, the other kid the other kid delivers the line kind of shittily, but I think he is saying it was daddy, you're crazy, Harry. I, I, Wait. Think, I think Harry thinks it was real Santa, and that's why he gets fucking crazy about okay. Santa. Wait, that's confused me. Okay. <laughs> Okay, wait. Well, now I gotta jump ahead because later, we gotta, okay. Harry Lewis and Philip. Read the script now. <laughs> Harry and Philip have an argument at the, towards the end of the movie, uh, where Harry was like, "I'm mad at you. I'm, I have a whole grudge against you because you didn't believe in Santa." But then I went back. I ha- I was confused. I went back to a specific scene, and I thought it was Harry who thought it was Dad. I I, I was pretty sure that it was the brother that Philip was the Philip. brother. Yeah, I thought it was it was. It Damn. Was well. <laughs> Well, damn, that's... Well, confusion there. Well, then, it was Philip who was like, oh, it's Dad. But Harry was the one who's like, oh, no, it's Santa. And that's what Harry... Harry is the one who sneaks downstairs, right? Yeah. Harry yeah. sneaks downstairs and spies on his mom getting <laughs> eaten out by Santa Claus slash Dad. Okay, hold on. Hold the fort. Hold the fort. He does not eat her out. <laughs> okay. he, get, he gets close. He, this movie actually is kind of shockingly PG. In that, like, it's sexual, but it doesn't want to really commit to it, I think. I mean, it's it's so close. She's kind of just holding her thighs. It's so close to getting eaten out, though. So close. I feel like it's right there. Then Harry rushes back upstairs, and, and he's just stewing. Breaks a snow globe, cuts his hand on a glass side, and completely drink blood drifts from the wound and onto the snowy house and the broken globe below. And just transitions to a red screen against which the opening credits play, which includes the original title, You Better Watch Out. Also, this is also known as Terror and Toyland, alternative title for the movie. And this is not the only time that we get that fake blood, too. We get it, we get it later on. It's the distinctive bright red color. It is. It is wonderful. I lo- there's something I love about old old movie blood. Oh yeah, and we cut to the present day. This is 33 years later as adult Harry Stadling, who is now played by Brandon Maggard. He comes in. He wakes up one morning in Santa themed pajamas, even this long sleeping cap to match, <laughs> and he's got this little Christmas carousel. Singamajig, he's got Santa memorabilia hung up on the walls, he's got some dolls, and Christmas music is playing. He's really, he's got all the Christmas preparations set up. He's obsessed with Christmas and Santa. He is, he is the, the number one Santa fan. Yes, and this is definitely shown, and when he's preparing to shave, he's got, and he puts on shaving cream on his face, looks like a beard, and he accidentally cuts his face with a shaver. When he's kind of like, he's dancing around with a shaver, which is like, oh, no, don't do that. Don't, don't just wave a shaver around when he's singing along to the tunes. He's, he's just, he's having fun. God forbid men have hobbies. And there's a tiny amount of blood that drips from the cut, and it sparks a flashback to him cutting himself under snow globe. Ah, oh, Christmas PTSD. And he pretends to put on a big belly. And goes on a mission to spy on the local kids. Yeah, he what? is a... What the uh, hell? He's kind of a freak. I, kind I, of. Maybe a little. 
So like kids here, so for example, so Scotty Goodrich, who's taking out the trash. There's Susie Lovett, who plays lovingly with her doll. And then there's the troublemaker, ooh, Moss Garcia. He, how is he causing trouble? Well, he's looking through a penthouse. His name's Moss. <laughs> and cutting out yeah. a woman. Cutting out a woman from the magazine. Santa hates horn dogs. <laughs> See, the movie, the movie... Get, it gets horny sometimes. It, it does. It, it gets kind of horny. Pointed. It, it, I will say, it, it's graciously pretty safe for work, I will say. Yeah, yeah. But I just feel like it's... when Santa is so, like Santa, like, oh, not Santa, Harry. Harry is so, so mad about this, and he brings out a book of bad boys and gold. And that's titled, by the way, <laughs> Bad Boys and Gold, on this big book. And he flips through the pages, and he's got some... So many kids and her sins written down here. For example, there's one kid who is conceited and goes to bed late. And, and Moss Garcia smokes cigarettes. And there's Ray Walker. And then the new, the new entries for Moss are impure thoughts and negative body hygiene. <laughs> negative body hygiene so fucked up. Wow, getting so puritanical, like aren't that. you? And and have to do them like that. Yeah, so puritanical, no, no. And but then we have the book of good boys and girls. And when Harry writes an entry for Susie Lovett, what he writes for her is just a darling. Which personally, that creeps me out a little. It it is a little a uh, little bit of a freaky, freaky thing to say. <laughs> I don't know. He's he's a little bit of a creep. Yeah. Again. Santa, Santa is just a, a, a big old stalker. He got this. He's checking it twice. Gonna find out whether you're naughty or nice. It's funny, you know, when you look back on other Christmas media, like Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer, or Santa Claus is coming to town. Some... Which he is way creepier <laughs> in, I will say. I recently rewatched Santa Claus is coming to town for a YouTube live stream with the podcast Opinionated Luscious, which listeners of the show will be familiar with that name. I've had hosts on my show as guests. And it was so interesting to rewatch Santa Claus is coming to town and just be like, hmm, why are these elves making so many toys? What do they do with the toys before they adopted Chris, Chris Kringle? And just other questions like that. What was up with that trippy music, that trippy musical sequence in Santa Claus is coming to town? There was, um, I will say, I think Santa Claus is Coming to Town does have better music than Rudolph. Uh, I can see that, I can see that. Um, that one song Mickey Rooney has about getting kids on his lap to kiss him, that shit's <gasps> weird. Oh, yep, yep. Also, Burgermeister Meisterburger yep. is my favorite character in all of cinema. Yes, yes. I love Burger. Oh my god, such a, such a nefarious, delightful little villain. He's got his yo-yo, you remember that yo-yo he was playing with? Yeah, had too much fun. Now, the song he has, I like that song a lot. That's a fun little song. Ugh, you little fascist. I was like, I was watching that movie and I was like, yo, Burgermeister Meisterburger, kind of bad. And then I was thinking about the movie a little more and I was like, wait, this is a World War II allegory. I can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, I'm calling Hitler bad. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, you know what? Some people are calling Coriolanus Snow bad. 
And and I mean the young snow, not the old snow, the young the snow. Who? Oh, you haven't seen all the people who are just so horny for young snow? Who are you talking about? <laughs> Edward Snowden the hacker? <laughs> no, Uncle Games. Oh shit, oh, okay, that's why. I, I I read the first Hunger Games book and I watched the first movie and that was it. No, no, President Snow, as in to bat it as Sonic was in Snakes. Okay, okay. Oh, is that that twink from those trailers? I'm gonna say yes. I'm assuming you're talking about Tom Blythe, the actor who played Snow, who played Young Snow. <laughs> Unless you're talking about the guy who plays Sejanus Plinth. I have no idea who any of you're saying names. I'm like, this is glup shit out of me. I don't understand any of it. Oh uh, well, I'll just say I love I I I've read the books. So I have love for 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 Sejanus. I I did like the book of the Hunger Games more than the movie. Really? Okay, interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, I, I really did not like that movie. Okay, very interesting. That's why I never read any or watched any other ones. You should, you should get back to what I say, I say. Maybe. Probably not. <laughs> I don't read. I can't. <laughs> have you seen the Snowden biopic with Joseph Gordon-Levitt? I haven't. I've been interested in that Me for too. Like a number of years. Me too. I, that's one of those fake biopics, I think. It's like that Steve Jobs movie with Ashton Kutcher. Like, I don't think it's actually real. Would you be surprised to learn that Shailene Woodley is in the Snowden biopic? Shailene Woodley? Yeah. Isn't that the, the Divergent Lady? Yeah, yeah. Speaking of bad dystopian movies, <laughs> <laughs> th- those made the Hunger Games look like the Godfather. I have not watched the movies, but I've read I the books. The first one. I watched the first one, and that was too much. <laughs> well, I read the books. All of them. The books are fine. Oh, I'm the, sure books. the books are better than the movie. Oh, oh well, I wouldn't say that. Oh Jesus, this is a Ready Player One situation. That's horrible. Okay, so not Ready Player One bad. Okay, good. But no, that's great either. I can't get over how Divergent portrays the cerebral people. What was the name? What was the name of that faction? Cerebral, cerebral. <laughs> No memory. Anyways, I can't get over how it de- how it depicts them as the villains, just the flat out villains. And I, it almost comes off comes off like the book series as being an anti intellectual sort of thing. Like, oh, the people who know stuff, the people who read books, those are bad guys. I don't That's know. True in real life too. <laughs> oh dear. I'm coming out as anti book. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Wait, let me look up. I need I need to know. What other factions? Erudite. That's it. That's the Freddy one. Uh yes, Dauntless, Erudite, Candor, Amity, Abnegation, and Factionless. Well, I guess Factionless isn't an official faction, but uh Yeah. Well, it's back to Crystal the Evil enough talk about Oh yeah, I forgot we were talking about something. <laughs> about about Snow. About Snow and Snowden. Uh yes. Cut to Harry's workplace, the Zoddy Dream Toy Factory, a place that looks so soulless. And Harry, he got a recent promotion out of the factory line. He's got his out of the factory line. He has his own office, and he's frustrated with his coworkers for not feeling the passion of making toys. And it's mentioned that he hasn't been attending the union meetings lately as well. Yeah, he. Uh... <laughs> 
there is um, a deleted scene here, I think, where he gets promoted. And apparently they deleted the scene because uh, there's a scene later where, where Brandon Maggart's dancing as Santa. And he was so fucked up when he was filming that scene that the day after when they filmed the beginning of the movie, he was too hungover for that scene. So that's why they had to cut it because it looks like he's going to vomit the entire time. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Which is hilarious. Yeah. They don't make him like they used to. Uh, and there's another co-worker, Frank, who's looking for someone to take his shift so he and his wife, Jean, can go away for the weekend. And Frank... It's funny how Frank ends up just roping Harry in because we're going to cut to Harry's office and then this is where Frank calls him up and pressures him to do a favor and take his shift since Harry mentioned earlier how much he misses July. So Harry has to take his shift, work on these red and blue motorcycle toys on, on the line. He's, um, fun. actually, those toys were are like that just because... The toy store, the toy factory they were shooting in, the condition that they could shoot there was that none of the real toys be featured. Oh! And so they had to completely just make bullshit. <laughs> wow, it convinced me. So, it was good bullshit. And the poster that, that's in Harry's office is a big poster, a big Santa poster. That reads, if it's not a holly dream, it's not worth having. And I'm like, ugh, I would hate having a poster in my office. Get that out! <laughs> forced! A, forced merriment! It's a not great poster. It, it's a, I love the production design in this movie a lot. I think, oh, I yeah. think it works really well. Yeah, definitely. And then we cut to Harry walking out of the factory, heading through the streets, passing by this bar, where Frank is inside. Bragging about how he and Jean were actually leaving in the morning because he's got, quote, that schmuck Harry working for me tonight. And it just maddens Harry. By the way, I'm not, I, I'm like, wait, how can you overhear Frank when you're outside and Frank is inside and just, you're peeking through the window? How can you hear him? The answer is uh, this movie might be American Psycho. But also, <laughs> the other answer is that Santa knows all. <laughs> Ah, very true, very true. Again, Santa, Santa knows about you, Santa knows about you. Along with the help of assistance, like the elf on the shelf. Yeah. And just maddens Harry. So he runs home, picks up a little dollhouse figure, while humming Santa Claus is coming to town, with increasing menace, and the doll eventually cracks in his hand. This is one of those moments where I'm like, oh, this is menacing. I feel like it's one of the more, I guess, relatively, I guess not over the top, but still like a psychopathic moment for Harry. It's like, you're, yeah. you're seeing him cracking now. Just like the doll in his hands. And he drops by the old Statling home, spies on the family inside, onto the two adults inside, canoodling. And I seriously thought when he was watching through the window, being a big old creep once again, I thought he was going to jerk off right there and then. <laughs> nah, he would never. Horn dogs get death penalty under his law. Uh, and then we cut to the next morning as Harry is eating some cereal while watching a Thanksgiving parade on TV. And then cut to his brother, Philip, played by Jeffrey DeMunn, who's worked quite often with Frank Darabont. He was a real, real plus to this movie. I did not know he was in it. 
Yeah, actually, I did like I love him. Dale. Yeah, I I did like him as well. I did I did like him as well. He um no he's he's really great in this too. I think I think he was perfectly cast. Yes, yes. We've got we've got him playing Philip and then Philip's wife Jackie played by Diane Hall. We get introduced to them now, and Philip is doing some push-ups, and then he and Jackie make out for a moment. Great introduction <laughs> to the two of them. That is a great introduction. Push-ups and then kissing. And she advises him to ease up on Harry. Don't be so hard on him. But then Harry calls and tells Philip he won't be able to come over for Thanksgiving dinner, which worries Philip. And Philip yells at his kids to turn down the volume for the parade. Not the only time he would yell at his children. I, yeah, man, I just, there's something so funny about the fact that I don't think you ever see his kids. Oh, we do. We, do we? I don't remember seeing them. I might I might have zoned out. Yeah, 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 Philip and Jackie's kids, we see them, we see them a few times, yeah. Okay, that's good. Like here, during the parade, later on, yes. And there's a moment where Harry looks in the mirror and tries on fake white hair, the mustache, the wig, you know, the mustache, the eyebrows, the wig. He proceeds to sew together a Santa suit for himself. And the moment when he hugs the fur that he's just cut from his coat, he hugs it up into his face, unsettles me. It is incredible, this scene of him transforming into Santa Claus. Yes, he is diving into Santa. And, and, and eventually, like, he believes he's Santa. That's the whole thing. He like, does. And he is. Plunging himself into this persona. And he even paints his van with a Santa sleigh and a reindeer. Yeah. And I love how throughout the, throughout the movie, we get these little shots spliced in where he's driving his van. And he'll act, he'll, he'll believe that he is riding his sleigh, riding the reindeer. And he'll call out for a reindeer. Well, he is cracking up the whip. He's perfect. <laughs> he is Santa. He's the Santa we deserve. Yes. But yeah, oh, so again, the fur, so tenderly hugging the fur, and, and then he's going through the kids that he's going to deliver to, and the gifts. So, for example, there's like Mickey Cooper, the carved dog, John Wesley, Drum, Joe Ronaldson, the red dog, kids who deliver toys to. And then we have Harry walking down the street during the daytime with groceries, and he passes by some children. Susie is part of this group. So is Moss, Moss Garcia, and the kids talk about what they wish for. Was Moss wishing for a lifetime subscription to Penthouse? I just, I just remembered the scene where earlier is this. I think it's earlier where where Harry goes to Moss's house, and when he catches him, when he finds him reading the thing, for some reason Harry covers his face in mud and then kisses the house. Oh, that happens. That, ha- that it happens later on. It does happen after this. Is that later on? I thought that already happened for some reason. Not yet, but it will. Okay. But look, Moss is like a kid, right? He's not even a teenager. Yeah. So he's like a child. I gotta ask, like, why he believes in Santa, like, <laughs> <laughs> and he's asking for the like a lifetime, a lifetime subscription, a lifetime supply, dude. Like, I think I don't know how long it's gonna even be. <laughs> Look, if he were 12 years old or something, I'd believe that. This but kid would have loved the internet. This kid is like, what, eight, nine years old? I find yeah. it very hard to believe that he wants penthouse specifically. And why would you also ask an adult for penthouse? I, I feel like you, I don't know, maybe if, he, if he's a child, who just knows no shame and just would be perfectly alright ask, openly asking for penthouse. But 
I don't know. I think you would be a little self-aware. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Unless, maybe. Un- I don't know, maybe unless you were just bored like that. I know some kids are bored like that. I'm just saying, for me personally, when I was little, I was definitely more self-conscious like that when I was little. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just wouldn't have done that. No, no, no. I wouldn't have done that. But this child wants some porn. Again, an eight or nine-year-old, apparently. Yeah, so. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm asking for porn from Santa now, but <laughs> I wouldn't have when I was a kid. And then, what is with that creepy drawing of Santa lording over a court that Harry has? Do you remember <laughs> this? What the fuck was that? And then also... Wait, wait. It happens right after yeah. Moss asks for the penthouse description. And, yeah. And then there's also a poster, or a picture, a poster of Santa stuffing a child into a stack. Uh, Which, I don't know. When I saw I this... This is evil, I guess. When I saw this, and maybe think of Krampus, because Krampus also does that. That is what he does. He does put people in sacks. Yes, yeah, the naughty little children. Sacks. The naughty little children. Eating I love the fact that Santa's like a guy. Santa's a guy, but Krampus, Krampus is like a weird deer monster. Yep, yep. <laughs> like for some reason, like Krampus is what happened when Santa got too lonely with the reindeer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just there's no deer beast who just stuffs children in the sacks, sends them off to hell, eats them. Yeah, for real. Like, man, <laughs> I love Krampus. Yes, and. Big Yes. And why the hell does Harry have a picture of Susie? Because he's a creep. I, like, I'm confused on how he got it. It doesn't make any sense to me. It looks like a picture that you see in a, in a school yearbook. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Why, Harry? Why? And, how did he get it? I don't like it. And as he studies his naughty children book, he puts a photo of Susie's face down, and he's like, this isn't for your eyes. Yeah, because she's not naughty, I guess. <laughs> and he sneaks over to Moss's house now, just as when he covers his face in mud, and then presses his hands and, and face up against the wall of the house to leave the handprints and mouth prints behind. For some reason. <laughs> for some reason he does this. Harry is just being extra. He, yeah. Being a being a freak, weirdo, yeah, as usual. Yeah, sometimes that's what this movie should have been called: Henry Harry being a freak weirdo. Yes, Harry being a freak. Sometimes he's a sympathetic human being who's scarred by Christmas and just wants to continue the joy. He wants to promote the joy and the Santa of it all. And other times, he's a little freak. Towards the end, he's got some really great Christmas spirit. Yeah, definitely. That's what this movie was about to me. It was about getting into the Christmas spirit. Yes. It's what put me in the Christmas spirit, for sure. And then, Moss's mom forces a poor child out of the house. But he isn't interested in going out with her for Mahjong. But I guess, like, there's no babysitter, so he has to go out with her. Yeah. And then, he sees Harry hiding in the bushes, slowly creeps over to him, gets jump-scared by the bastard, and then he gets smacked in the face by his disbelieving, impatient mom. Yeah, child abuse. I'm like, what the hell? This movie's like, doesn't kill kids, but it's really mean to them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Moss has the right to be scared after Harry, you know, has, after Harry just pops out of the bushes like that. But the mom doesn't see anything. She's like, oh, I don't see, I don't, I don't see anything anywhere. And she just shunts, yeah. shunts her son inside the car, drives off. And afterward, Harry molds. This little sober nutcracker statuette that'll come back later. <laughs> I love that thing. 
I love that thing. That is the best Chekhov's gun in history. Yeah. And then we cut to Harry back at Johnny Dream. He does the Santa nose trick in his little mirror, then wipes his hands slowly over his face to go back to an ordinary mode. A casual face. I thought it was such an, again, an extra little motion for him. Yeah. He, he's doing lots of, lots of good physical performing. Yeah, Brandon Ragger. Good for you. And then, it's work party time. This is when we have that TV playing, giving the announcement about, hey, employees donate toys and money to Waterloo Springs State Hospital, and Harry is here, and he tells his coworker of his, Ben, that he's been looking for the right tune, trying to find the right notes to it, and now he has, so we can play the tune now. It wasn't he, he was calling, he was calling Philip. He says that later on. Later on, yes, yes. Later on, yeah, he says he it. brings that back, too. Yes. There's a lot of good setups and payoffs. Yeah, yeah. Also, his co-worker also mentions to Harry, like, hey, he mentioned Harry filling in for Frank. Definitely is suspecting that Harry didn't have a great time doing that. And then Harry gets introduced to this George Gross character from the executive training program for the company. And Harry comments on that video from the, t- from the TV, not specifying on how many toys the company itself will donate to the hospital. And George is just like, well, the factory can't shoulder the whole burden, so we're waiting for these employees to contribute. But Harry is like, well, this is, a, this is ridiculous. Like, what if this leaves some, you know, some kids toyless? And which is, which is true. And, and again, like, this is what I said earlier about the corporation scenes in this movie. But like, the movie is poking at that. Pointing that out. Yeah. This movie this movie is really anti corporate yeah. uh, rules. Yeah, corporations, you know, they just care about the money. They don't care about little people. So performative activism here. Where it's like trying to appear generous, but nope, it's just gonna it's, it's gonna moosh the money and uh, toy contributions from its employees. And it, it reminds me actually, do you do you remember do you remember the Maui wildfires? I know. Because recently there were wildfires in Maui, and then Oprah and Dwayne Johnson set up this whole fundraiser asking people to donate money, and they got a whole bunch of backlash for that. And people were like, wait a second, why are you, two extremely rich people, asking us, the little people, for money? Why can't you donate a whole bunch of money to save the land and save people's homes? That's a good point. And apparently the fundraiser itself was also suspiciously set up the way it would supposedly donate money to people and how it was like oh I think it was like maybe a thousand dollars or something like that per month it was like very little money that it would give per month to to, to the residents who had their homes burned down I would say though as much as that was bad it was just very insensitive and thoughtless I will give credit to Dwayne Johnson for later apologizing and definitely one of the more sincere celebrity apologies I've seen where he was admitting hey that was disrespectful the way we did that, and he acknowledged how it looks to have two rich celebrities ask people for money like that. So, I'll give credit for that. Kudos for that. Again, yeah. one of the more sincere apologies I've seen from a celebrity. No fair, yeah. Um, I, yeah, Dwayne, Dwayne is surprisingly, like, I don't like him, but I think he, he has a chance to redeem himself with this A24 thing. With the Benny Safdie movie. I'm interested. I Because he hasn't tried since Southland Tales in 2005. <gasps> right, Southland Tales. I still need to see that. That was, that was his last good movie, and I stand by that. 
and anyone listening who's seen Southland Tales, they either know what I'm talking about or they think I'm stupid. <laughs> yeah. I'm very interested. I'll check out that movie sometime, yeah. Although I will say, I do hold a grudge against uh, Dwayne Johnson for uh, being a, a Zionist, I must say. Oh, yeah. Uh, why do so many celebrities have to be have to be Zionists and be like both? So a lot of them have to be so fucking stupid about it, too. And both sides. Both sides approach. Mm-hmm. I can't see both sides. No, no. I'm reading The Ethnic Cleansing of Palestine yeah, I'm not... by Elon Poppe. The book, I'm yeah. not standing in the middle because you, you know what standing in the middle is? What? It's letting the Nazis walk past you. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Well, yes, that okay. Might, that might get me in trouble. Hey, you know what? You know what? You're on Uh-oh. my show. You're on my podcast. In twenty years, someone's gonna pull that clip up, and they're gonna be, and they're gonna be like, "This per, this person just called Israel Hitler." <laughs> hey, you know what? Hopefully, in I twenty, hope, yes, I, I'll, I'll stand with you. I agree with you fully. <laughs> Zionism is the same thing as as Nazism. As it's white, the same thing as um, or no, what's the other word for it? White supremacy. Okay. No, I'm trying to remember the, the word for um, the hate against Palestinians. Islamophobia? Yeah, that one. <laughs> Islamophobia and anti-Semitism reborn. <laughs> like, just dead end. But, but, I would say, I hope that in 20 years, or sooner than that, hopefully, it will become popular to view Zionism with the same disgust and hatred as Nazism. Yeah. I, I do hope that. Uh, yes, okay, so, wait, corporations, corporations, oh, yeah. Johnny Dream Factory, donating toys, yes, right, okay. And Harry, and Harry criticizes, because he, he's talking with two co-workers, one of them, George, and the other guy, because he's like, he's like, the other co-worker that he's with, the other guy doesn't know the tune, but George does know how the tune, he knows how to play it, but look at what he's doing with the tune right now, even more shame on George. Yeah, I, I like that again. I like that. See, because there are people like that who know the tune. Yes, who know what's go- what what shit's going down. We're aware of the stuff, but still, they're taking advantage of the situation. They're being exploitative, and then Harry grabs some sacks, stuffs them full of toys in the factory, and then he digs up some dirt, puts it in sacks, applies his full white beard, has a maniacal moment where he grasps his beard and giggles in the bathroom. One of Harry's more unhinged moments. It really is. I I love the progression in this movie because he he really does get more. The movie and him both get kind of crazy at the same time with each other. They're kind of parallel. And it it really works. Like, it gets less real the farther in we get. Yeah. I I really do like about when character studies do that. Definitely. Um, I like it when they do that well. <coughs> Joker. Um, <laughs> I, still need, I still need to see Joker. So need to. You still haven't seen Joker? Don't. <laughs> watch this. No, watch this and then Taxi Driver and then subtract all the prostitute shit and then you have Joker. <laughs> well, I have seen Taxi Driver though. Yeah, exactly. You've seen Joker. <laughs> and, seen and. Good Joker. And the King of Comedy. Oh, I haven't even seen that, but I've heard that's good Joker. You need to see the King of Comedy. That is top The house that Jack built is good Joker. Like, anything is good Joker but Joker. 
man. I've been watching a lot of character studies lately. And and credit to Lewis Jackson for keeping the tone steady and smooth. Because I feel like if this was totally jarring, this wouldn't work, the whole character study. But because it's so smooth like that, as you were saying, mm-hmm. the movie gets more unhinged as the character Harry himself gets more unhinged. The movie stays steady like that, and I and I give credit to Lewis Jackson's direction for that. It, it's got a big, um, it lets you know that it's coming. It's a good bomb under the table, I think, for most of the movie of, like, when he's finally going to kill somebody. Yeah. And I think that they pull it off in a way that, like, it's not too jarring when it happens, which is nice. Because you really get to see the full snap happen. And it's fantastic. And Brandon Maggard does a great job at it. Yes. And then we get a quick shot at the skating rink with a big Christmas tree behind it. After which, we cut to Christmas Eve as Harry now has... His full Santa getup prepared. Oh, and he has a knife, too. And I was like, wait, why does he have a knife with him? But then I guess it's just to cut the strings tying these presents together. Okay, you you couldn't have brought some scissors? Because he's delivering gifts right now. He's delivering gifts right now, so, uh... He's doing his Santa shit. Yeah, and we... we, The toys, he's got toys here. Suicide racer figures. Card. You have a suicide racer stickers. Suicide racer. That's I the Paul Walker. Uh, oh. <laughs> Cut that. Cut that. <laughs> oh, fuck. I, I did it. I can't believe I brought him up again. I'll cut it. I'll cut it if you want me to. No, I don't. I don't care that much. Okay. <laughs> now I'm keeping it. It's not, keep... even, it's not even that good of a joke. <laughs> now I'm keeping it in. Paul Walker here, Paul Walker, and she's all that. Uh, I feel like Suicide Racer is not a toy title you see in the modern era. Oh my god. Okay, but we did have Suicide Squad. We did just have Suicide Squad. But that's supposed to be edgy though, right? Where it's just like shoulder toys. So maybe that's different. They should add this guy to the Suicide Squad. They should put Harry from Christmas Evil. Like, that was um what I really appreciated about... Harry Stavling? The, the, de- the Dead Meat podcast did a thing, does a thing called Horror Survivor, where it's Survivor with horror characters, like the TV show that's been running for fucking a million years. And the last season that they did, um, Harry was in it, and he got out, like, immediately... <laughs> He got voted off the island within, like, two days. Because <laughs> he was only looking at the only other kid on the island. <laughs> and so they were, like, terrified that he was going to do something. <laughs> so, yeah, they should wow. put him in the Suicide Squad. He'd be a great companion to Captain Boomerang. Wow, okay. Um. Oh, no, he got blown up. Shit. Oh! I, I like, okay. Captain Boomerang gets he gets chopped up at the beginning of that movie. Wait, wait, Captain Boomerang, that's right. He's a he's a suicide yeah. number two. He's the guy the boomerangs. Okay, um Yeah, he gets he gets chopped up by that helicopter at the beginning of that movie, it's awesome. Okay, okay, um Wow, okay. Uh wait, who was he who was the one that Kara Delapine played? What's her name? Uh Enchantress. Right, right, okay. Fuck. Oh my god. That was the funny... You know, that's how you know that was a bad movie. Is because there's no reason for the Suicide Squad to exist because the main villain of the movie is a member of the Suicide Squad. <laughs> so, like... 
Like, Enchantress was brought on to be part of it. So why were they brought together in the first place if there was no threat? Like, uh, and then they're fighting Goopmen for an hour and a half, and it's terrible. Yeah, I have not seen Suicide Squad. Oh, shit. I might someday. I Lucky, might. I watched it in theaters. I might watch it. I saw both the, the first one and the James Gunn one in theaters. Oh, I'm seeing James, James Gunn one was really good. Okay, I still need to see that as well. That one's real fun. Okay. I hope so. I hope it's good. Yeah. Yeah. That, that first one's terrible. <laughs> uh, $12 to, to watch that. Hey, at least the James Gunn one doesn't have Jared Leto, so that's an extra plus for it. It doesn't, no, that's exactly what, like, the benefit is, is that it's Harley Quinn, but there's no other fucking Batman characters in the movie, so it's just Harley Quinn. Uh, like, you don't have to deal with fucking Ben Affleck at all. It's perfect. Wait, what was the movie? Okay, we're going off a tangent here, but Jared Leto, isn't he gonna be starring in something else soon? What was this? New... Let me look this up. Probably. He's gotten... You know what? He should be in that Elon Musk movie they're making. uh, The Darren Aronofsky one. They should make him Elon Musk. (laughs) (laughs) And then I will... And then I will call in a drone strike to that set. And then I will effectively get rid of Elon Musk, Darren Aronofsky, and Jared Leto at the same time. Three birds, one stone. Uh, Okay. I don't know. I'm trying to look it up because I was like, wait, isn't Jared Leto? I remember being terrified when I heard about, oh, oh no. He's Morbius. He's Morbius. Oh, no. Jared Leto is going to star in, in like, an animated movie or something like that. But I can't remember. I just know, apparently, I just know oh. about Tron. Tron 3, but that's not what I'm saying. Oh, about. no. <laughs> I just I just conjured a movie into existence, I think. I just found this. Um, It's called Adrift by Darren Aronofsky. It stars Jared Leto. <laughs> I remember- It's coming out at some point. Oh, Jesus. Wait, wait. Wait, why is this sound familiar? It's, um- Let me, let me double oh, check. No. I'm so fucked up. I literally conjured a movie into existence. No, you're right. I'm so sorry. This... I'm so sorry, everybody. Wait. Wait. Is this what I was thinking of? Is this what I was thinking of? Oh, my God. I'm gonna. Yeah, you gotta sort my newest first when looking at his shit. I, this might have been what I was thinking of. Wait. Why was he in a post Malone documentary? <gasps> or. Oh, wait, was I thinking. <laughs> or was I thinking of the Elon Musk biopic? The upcoming biopic. You might have been thinking about that Elon Musk biopic, which with, is. Uh, that, that'll be directed by Darren Aronofsky. Yeah, that's what, that's what I think. Um, okay. That's what I think Jared Leto should be casting. You think? Okay, you think he should be casting that. Oh, you know what? That movie's being written by the guy that wrote Steve Jobs. Really? Yeah, Wait, so actually that is, might be pretty good. This is so weird, because Walter Isaacson, the guy who wrote the, the memoirs for both Jobs and, oh, and, that's and, what it is. and Musk, Walter Isaacson. Oh, so he's just, okay, he's just like a biography writer then. <laughs> Never mind. Wow, okay. I always forget they have to give those guys a credit. Yes. Ah. Oh. Well, enough talk about Jared Leto and Elon Musk. Oh, yeah. And, and Jared Leto, by the way, he's going to be starring in Tron Aries, upcoming Tron movie. I hate that. Disgusting. Get 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 Olivia Wilde back, huh? Elon Musk, uh, not Elon Musk, what's his name? Jared Leto should star in a new film called Robin Zabukovic Hits Jared Leto with a Car. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I'm directing it next year. Jared, please get back to me. You'll know how to reach me. When you said Jared, why did I think of Jared as a friend? Sounds like a friend, Jared. Either one. Jared Leto or the other guy that I don't know the last name. <laughs> no, no. We do know his last name. His last name is Cookie Baba. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Mr. Cookie Baba. <laughs> Oh, oh Jesus. <laughs> so, so then, Harry heads off to Moscow to see his place, and we see his hand and mouth prints still on, on the wall, and he leaves a bag of dirt with a, with a grouchy kid drawing on top. It's so funny. <laughs> he just, he's leaving just a bag of dirt. Yep, yep. And then next... Harry delivers a bunch of presents to Willoughby Springs State Hospital, and he runs into a perturbed guard who eventually accepts a gift from Harry, and then Harry tests out saying, Merry Christmas, in a Santa Claus voice. Merry Christmas! And I really appreciate the lighting and the sound design here, and the snow falling down. Snow as in the plastic bag pieces. Yeah. I, I love I love um, how how jolly Harry gets in this part. I actually do too. Like there are some moments when, when I'm feeling some some genuine jolliness, and this is one of them. Like, hey, Harry is delivering some gifts to the children. He may be creepy, but he's doing a bit of a bit of Christmas giving here, even if it's through consumerism and capitalism and materialism. <laughs> He's, he's doing his... I mean, is he doing it within capitalism? I mean, he stole them. From, he's kind of Robin Hooding this. Because he's doing it from Johnny Dream. Remember, he stole the toys from Johnny Dream, the corporation. So, you know oh, what? I can, yeah. I, I, can back, I can back that up. By the way, I still need to see the original Robin Hood movie. The animated movie. I don't think I've seen any of them, actually. Really? Okay. The only one I, I might have seen that I might have seen that Carrie Elwes one. Oh. I know my brother was a real big fan of it when I was growing up. Okay. Okay. I think that was Robin Hood Men in Tights. Okay. I still need to see that. Also, the Kevin. Why am I blanking on his name? Kevin something. What's the one with Kevin? Oh. You know Kevin. I know. I know what you're talking. The about. one who directed on. the, the one who directed the Wild Earth movie. Into- oh, wait, I don't know what you're talking about. Wait, let me look this up. I was thinking about the one with, um, the one with Russell Crowe. Also the <laughs> one with Jamie Foxx. Kevin Costner! Kevin Costner. Right, Kevin Costner. I haven't seen that one yet. Yes, and, and Wired Up. He also did... No, he didn't direct... Why do I think he directed the Wired Up movies that he started in? No, it was Lawrence Kasdan who directed Wired Up. Oh, Dennis Quaid was also yeah. in that movie, and Angie Hackman. Christian Slater. Sorry, I'm looking at the the Robin Hood uh, Kevin Costner movie now. Yeah, he's nice. By the way, the that, one was that's Tan- a good cast. The Robin Hood movie was Taron Ez- was Taron Egerton and Jamie Foxx and Ben Mendelsohn. Now that I have seen, and and, and remember Jamie Dornan was in this. How's Ben Mendelsohn? I really loved him actually. Ben Mendelsohn, he was great. I feel like he's always great. Like even if he has to work with the shittiest material, you know. He's actually really, really good. I can, I can name something he's not great in. Oh! <laughs> Ready Player One. <laughs> okay. I think he's fucking awful in that movie. Okay, I think he... That really is like a... I everyone think... got dealt shit and didn't know what to do, though. 
I think he did the best with what he could do. Actually, you know what? I'll give him that. I think he probably does the best job in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> but it's probably like Simon Pegg and then him. Simon Pegg is in that movie. Oh dear. He is, for very briefly. He's he's alright. He's not great. He could be better. Uh but I gotta mention oh, Jesus Christ. Ben Mendelson and twenty eighteen Robin Hood movie. Ben Mendelson is, is actually like that movie is not good, but I do think it it, it gives him some good villainous meat. Like the, the writing for his character for the sheriff is actually like really evil. It is like, oh, the script just goes hard on how evil this guy is. And the dialogue, like Ben Mendelson shoots us some dialogue in that movie. He talks about I think he talks about people wanting to drown his his enemies in their own in their own blood. Or 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 drowning them in rat's blood or something like that. He mentions rat somewhere. It was some dark shit dialogue and it was great. <laughs> there's just like there's this part of me that that won't die that like I think I don't think you can ever make a Robin Hood movie that's, like, good. Oh. I don't know. I feel like, like, it's it's just already too played out. It might be the same reason we can't really get a normal Superman movie. It's uh. because even though it hasn't really happened yet, it feels played out already. Uh, I, I'm hopeful, though. I'm, I'm hopeful. Like, I want to see the other Robin Hood movies. If, if another Robin Hood movie comes up, not too soon, maybe 10 or 20 years. Hope it's a good one. Oh, there is a new one coming up. Oh! Wow. By by Carlos Lopez Estrada, who... What? Oh, hold on. Wait, wait. this what, might what, be some... Why, why does he sound familiar? Who is this person? Let me check. So, let me let me just... I'm going to list off these these two real quick. Okay. Raya and the Last Dragon, which I, I didn't see. I heard it was very good. Oh. oh. Wait. Okay. We've got good stuff. Here's here's the second punch. Blind spotting. Oh, yes. <laughs> Oh, blind spotting! Like that's a real movie. <laughs> yes, I remember blind spotting. I love that movie. I, I haven't seen it yet. I, I really should. It, it's I, not even that long. It's ninety-five minutes. I highly recommend it. It's really good. Oh, yeah, blind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even you know, Connor, our friend Connor, gave it five stars. Yeah, shout out Connor. Jack, <laughs> Jack gave it five stars. I think Connor's the only person I told that I was going on this podcast. <laughs> Because I think I was talking to him when you got when you texted me. Nice, nice. Love to spread the word. Well, we were talking about Robin Hood there for a second, but back to Christmas Eve World. Oh, yeah. Yes, because Harry delivers the toys, some snow breezes down, a nurse and a doctor come out, and then they're overjoyed to find all these toys here. So on the rest of the staff that emerge from the hospital, and, you know, Merry Christmas, everyone! Ho, ho, ho! You know, Harry is getting into the Santa spirit. And then Harry drives off. And then this is when he remembers. George saying that he doesn't have the slightest idea how many, you know, he's like, George doesn't have the slightest idea how many children are in that hospital. Again, doesn't care about the children in the hospital. And so this is what inspires Harry, apparently, to stop at the church during Midnight Mass. Even though I'm like... Mm, what a great scene. I'm like, okay, but wait. How many churches are there? Is this the only church or are there more than one churches? Because otherwise, if there are more than one churches, how would you know which one to go to for Midnight Mass? Uh, this is Jersey. This is Jersey. There's definitely several churches. Yeah, because... It, I should say, it was mentioned earlier, it was mentioned in passing earlier, 
with George about Midnight Mass and, and attending it. So that was so that's kind of like set up there. But again, how would you know with church? By the way, I would never go to Midnight Mass. I'm sorry. You want me to go to church at like I'm I'm going to sleep. Fuck you. Completely understandable. I myself have I'm never. I'm going to hell for having a nap that I don't. I don't give a shit. Yeah, you know what? I, I can understand that. I've never gone to Midnight Mass myself, and maybe I'll do it once just to just to do it, just to see how it feels like, but I'm not feeling the urge right now. And also, I'm a latent Catholic, and I'm, and I'm agnostic, so... And also kind of a Grinch. But not too much of a Grinch, so that it prevents me from doing a whole Christmas month on my podcast. And, yes, Midnight Mass... Harry comes here, a few meanies taunt him because he's showing up in the Santa suit. Also, one one of is fantastic. <laughs> yes. And one of the members of this group does refrain from the Mattis, and Harry also sees George and the other co-worker that they've been talking with earlier. They're both here at the church. And then Harry kills three of the group with his little nutcracker, the nutcracker sword, getting the sword in one person's eye, and then killing the others with a toy hatchet. And I like, I really appreciate the editing here, the back and forth editing, and the, the fakeness of the blood, and I like the slow down, kind of like malfunctioning version of Jingle Bell playing momentarily, and then Harry drives away, drives away in a hurry, his mind falling apart gradually. I gotta say, with that scene in specific, what I really like is, um, I don't know if this is every version of this movie, but the version I watched, I think some of these scenes got, like, deleted and then added back in. Oh. Because the color grade slightly changes, specifically when he stabs that dude in the eye, and you, like, see the spike go in. The version I watched, you see it go in, and, like, the eye, like, gushes out. And so I think that was deleted and then put back in because it's slightly off. Okay, I mean, I saw some, I saw some gush. Yeah, okay. So I, I think it might be every version, but I think it might have just been like a post-production thing. Okay, okay. Where like the, they, the producers wanted them to take it out and then they finally got them to let them put it back in. Nice, nice. And then that hatchet going into <laughs> the dude's head and what I really is love it, about this scene. Is it even sharp enough? I don't know. Hatchets don't need to be that sharp, shockingly. <laughs> depends on the force but um th- there's that there's that sweeping dolly shot of all the of the corpses and the toys on the ground which just i i love i adore that shot i think it's beautiful yeah some some blood sprinkled on the snow mm-hmm. yeah and one person is left behind the one who was not being mean she's the one who's left alive and crying and just all you know ah understandably shocked horrified yeah I get it. Yeah, yes. And again, the editing here, credit to the editors, Corky O'Hara and Linda Leeds, the two editors for the movie. And then, Harry heads back to the factory. This confused me a little, because there's a party going on here. I initially thought this was the same party that Harry has been at before. Here's the difference. So, the, Oh, actually, real quick thing about that, that previous party he was at. I completely forgot to bring this up. In that scene, that bartender, that's Lewis Jackson. That's the director. Yes! But in, in this second party, it's a... Uh, I think this is the one where Brandon was drunk while recording because it's him dancing in the Santa. You know what? <laughs> Which, like, obviously I would get drunk for. 
Yeah. The scene is, I think this party is a more blue collar party than the other one. This is like the union party versus the other one being like the executive party. Because this movie really wants to have that dynamic going. I don't know if it fully realizes it, but I really appreciate that it's there. It's there. And also, you bring up the union. I should refer back to that small moment earlier. Again, brief, but it's there when it mentions that Harry skipped a union meeting. Remember, it happens in the first act. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I just realized this is kind of funny. I went to, I went to, I don't, I don't know if this is a, just a Canadian store. I went to a place called Shoppers Drug Mart this morning. What? To get some like, okay, so it's, it's like a, it's like a, from what I understand, it's basically a CVS, but not mainly a pharmacy. Okay. Okay. I see. So it's, yeah. Okay. So I was at Shoppers Drug Mart and I was picking up some shit and I picked up some razors and they're Harry's brand. And I just realized that's kind of funny. <laughs> Because they're sitting at my desk and I'm looking at them like, hmm, Santa. Yay! Yay! What a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, we, if only this episode was sponsored by Harry's Razors. Yes! That's... I think they do a monthly thing. Would be perfect, yeah. Oh. I don't fucking know. Yeah. They're pretty good razors, actually, so um, if they want to pay you for that good word. <laughs> okay, but are they men's? Are they, are, they, are they men's? I think so. I don't know. Like, I... You know, as a trans person, I, I really, you think it would bother me if I grabbed men's razors instead of women's, but, like, it's razors. Uh, no, no. <laughs> uh, wait. Wait, did I, did I use the wrong name? I, I meant the brand. I, I meant the, the brand, men's. Is that the right name, or am, I, oh. or am I misspeaking? No, the brand is Harry's. No, I, I, was, I was comparing them to, oh, I, I might have misspoken. What was, what's the brand that always gets promoted? The ones that podcasts always talk about to shave your balls. Oh, Manscaped. 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 I forgot about Manscaped. I just called it men. I thought it was... I yeah, thought that's... Oh, you know what? That was perfect. That was the perfect summary of what they are. That product podcasts promote to shave your balls. Yes, I was like, that's why... I thought I meant. I, I ruined a joke now, but I was yeah, like... It's Harry, Harry's Razors and, and Manscaped are like the two big shaving... That's what I was saying. I was, say, I was saying, are they good, but are they Manscaped? I don't know. I think actually my brother-in-law uses Manscaped. <laughs> Ooh, very nice, very uh, nice. Maybe I'll ask him and get back to you. <laughs> on which one's better? I feel like I don't. I don't use them, but maybe someday. Who's we'll see? We'll see. Maybe someday. Yeah. I don't know. Razors are razors. <laughs> uh, oh, also by the way, about Jackson making a cameo as a bartender, John Waters during the commentary track for this movie. He said, I was only in my movies once, and I don't think I'll ever do that again. That is... What? I guess, I don't, I don't know where, where John Waters had a cameo in one of his movies. I'm trying to think, because, like, I know he was in Serial Mom as Ted Bundy. What? <laughs> but, like, that was a voice-only thing? So I don't know if that actually kind of... I don't know if that counts. Maybe because he he shows up also in the hairspray remake as a flasher. What? <laughs> that's not his movie though. It's not a movie he directs. I guess yeah. So, hang on, I'll fi- I'll find this out. Maybe he or is he oh. in Pink Flamingos? And also says the same scene features a cameo on the TV by the film's producer. So I guess the film's producer is a guy on TV talking about donating oh. stuff. Waters asks if he's the one Jackson fought with. And when the director says yes, Waters asks if he's still alive. He's not. So Waters tells them, you can say whatever you want. 
that rotten crook. I figured it out. John Waters, his only cameo um, at this point would have been either Hairspray or Pink Flamingos. Oh. I, I know he's in Hairspray physically in the original. The original, okay. He, he's a voice cameo. He's a voice cameo in Serial Mom and Pink Flamingos and Cecil B. Demented. Okay, okay. I can't wait to get to, get to, to that status as a filmmaker. As you, a... you, dude, you gotta get on John Waters shit. <laughs> I will specifically I... Cecil B. Demented. If you ever, if you ever want to have both me and Connor on. C- Cecil B. Demented or Blackberry would probably be the perfect one. Because like, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> those, those are our strong decisions. Yes. But yeah, I, I, as an aspiring filmmaker, I hope to one day reach that status where I can have a few cameos like that. In my oh own yeah, movie. absolutely. That would be the most. That would be fun as shit. I I um I should honestly I think I'm gonna start doing cameos now. <laughs> it would save money. Yeah, it would. Also. Jackson's favorite moment in the movie is when the little boy's mom, I guess Moss Garcia's mom, slaps him upside the head. Of course it is. Also, that mom is played by Patricia Richardson, who's on Home, Home Improvement. She plays Joe Taylor. Oh, yeah. Joe Taylor on Home Improvement. Wow. Speaking of evil Santa Claus's Tim Allen. Yes! Oh, <laughs> Tim Allen! Which, by the way, that was the Santa Claus. I covered that last year with Misty on the podcast. Dude, that's what I... Okay, I'm glad that you already covered that, because when you texted me being like, we're doing a Christmas movie, I was kind of worried you were going to ask me to watch that. <laughs> I was like a little bit... I was like, should I say no just in case it's that? Because if it's that or Elf, I'm out. <laughs> so I suppose you, it, you, you would never want to watch... The Santa Claus sequels. I'd watch the sequels. <laughs> I'd do the third one. Um, I, w- I would do the one with Alan Cumming, for sure. But um, I wouldn't do that first one. Wait, Alan, Alan Cumming? I thought it was Martin Short. It's Martin Short, it's not Alan Cumming. Is it Martin Short? Yeah. It should have been Alan Cumming. Fuck, never mind. <laughs> I'm out again. <laughs> oh, dear. Why wasn't it Alan Cumming? He'd be a, such a good Jack Frost. You know what? He could have been. But hey, I'm happy. I'm I'm glad with Martin Short. Martin Short is great. No, I, I like Martin Short quite a bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, back to party. Harry's there. He watches everyone happily dancing inside. And then a couple of his co-workers see him and drag him inside. And he dances with the guests. And then he says... He- he boogies. He, he gets bo- it fucking down. He boogies. Like, this is, like, it's a quick moment, but he boogies. <laughs> and and then he says he has to go, and he warns the children at, at his party to be good. Listen to their parents and teachers, and don't oh, get present. No, I got the whole quote written down. Okay, deliver it. But now I want you to remember to stay good boys and girls. Respect your mothers and fathers and do what they tell you. Obey your teachers and learn a whole lot. Now, if you do this, I'll make sure you get good presents from me every year. But if you're bad boys and girls, your name goes in the bad boys and girls book. And I'll bring you something horrible. <laughs> it is it is an incredibly delivered line. It is fantastic. Oh, it is. Oh, so satisfying. 
It is, it is really great. Yeah. The way he does that. It's just like, oh, it's a darkness seething underneath it. I, li- I like that he keeps it hidden for the kids, though. Like, he- he's not that far gone. But the adults, though. The adults are sus. Yeah, the adults are like, this guy's fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> and then he breaks into a big old Johnny laugh. Don't forget that, that's important. Yeah, he does. I, I, that was part of what I wrote down. I just didn't want to do the laugh. <laughs> Wait, 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 I can't really do it, but just imagine the Johnny Dash. I feel like it was either this movie, it was either this movie or Silent Night, Deadly Night that I was watching where I was like, he's doing a lot of laughs that aren't Santa laughs. I think it might have been Silent Night, Deadly Night, but it was, which by the way, way worse than this movie. Silent Night, Deadly Night's a big I still need to see that one. It's um, it's definitely what people think this movie is, which is a sleazy Christmas slasher. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, See? I would recommend yeah. honestly just watch the kill count and then listen to the We Hate Movies episode, and you're kind of set. <laughs> okay, okay. And then watch that remake. That remake's not bad. Okay. It, it's not good, but it's not bad. Christmas Evil has a nice subdued tone to it. It does. I really like. I really like it. Yeah, it's 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 lots of fun. And then Harry drives off, and the shush. Just a quick moment at the shush, where the detectives are learning from witnesses about the Santa Claus killer. But then, yeah. after the factory, then Harry drives out, calling for his reindeer, still believing he's Santa. He is Santa. Dasher, dancer, Cupid, prancer, and vixen. There's so many of them. Um, so many. I really love his van. I think it's really. Oh yeah. It's a part of this movie that I think I I don't know I just I love me some iconic movie cars I really think this deserves to be up there Oh yeah no, <laughs> like, absolutely Yeah he's driving a van calling out for his reindeer and he remembers spying on Frank in the bar He remembers that oh Frank that old asshole and spurs him on to head to Frank's place and he climbs up to the roof at first trying to slip down the chimney but he's too big and he has to pop back out and this reminded me of that tragic. Chimney tale that Phoebe Cates told in Gremlins. Oh my god. Like, I was trying to remember this entire episode of what movie that was from. Because <laughs> I've just been thinking about it the whole time of like, my dad got trapped in the chimney. And I was like, I was trying to remember. I was like, was that? That couldn't have been a Silent Night Deadly Night sequel because that's way too funny. But for some reason, I was thinking it was like, I was like, that that happened and I still know what you did last summer. <laughs> No, it's I don't know why. No, that's what they need to do for that franchise. By the way, they need to do. I know what you did last winter and make it a Christmas slasher. They oh, hit. They and, and the plot should be this. This is the plot. So they're they're drunk driving again, outside of a mall at night. They're doing donuts in the parking lot, and who do they hit? A mall Santa. See, I was gonna and say the real Santa. Or that. That would also work. But I just, because then you could do the same boot bit. <laughs> it's just a Santa boot. And then, and then, yeah, the movie's a Christmas slasher, which I think would be wonderful. Oh my goodness, yeah. You know what? Actually, straight up, I might submit that to the blacklist. So, no yes. one will steal that. Keep <laughs> that idea in mind. You know, one day, as a filmmaker, I want to direct a slasher someday. Oh, for sure, dude. I'm, that's actually... Probably the next screenplay I'm gonna start on is is gonna be my my Christmas slasher. Nice, nice. Because I'm gonna start writing that soon. I recently rewatched Scream and Scream Five, 
and Scream is my favorite horror franchise. Fuck you, Spyglass. And I... I can't believe you, you watched the best and the worst one. <laughs> Excuse me, Scream 5? I... Sorry, the second worst one. Okay. Oh. Oh. This is not... This is not a Scream... kicker. What do you think the worst Scream is? Scream 3. It's Scream 4, you're wrong. <laughs> Scream 3 is my second favorite. <laughs> Okay, um... <laughs> my, uh, my ranking goes 1, 3, 6... 1, 3, 6, 2, 4. Uh, no, 2, 5, 4. <laughs> I'm terrible. Oh my uh, god. Um, <laughs> this is not a Scream podcast. I love Scream 3. This is not a Scream know. podcast, but... Wow. Uh, some opinions are being changed good, here. You know, it's a shame the Scream franchise died, because they could have also made the next Scream movie a, a Christmas one. <laughs> They could have, they could have, but uh They should have, because it would have it would have been cool. It would have been like if that that, that um oh what was that new slasher? It's such a wonderful knife. That shit was terrible. It's like if if that movie was good, that's what Scream 7 would have been. Okay, but see, I mentioned Scream because I love Scream a lot, my favorite horror franchise, and I would like to direct a slasher someday, and maybe even I don't know, maybe even a meta slasher. And the vein of Scream. But, here's the thing. My biggest fear is that if I were to do that, it would just come off like a, a Scream wannabe. And I don't want to do True. that. I don't want to do that. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I, I hope I can but, do I hope I hope can do a, a slasher in general someday. Not necessarily a metal slasher like Scream, but a slasher somehow. I think, honestly, the thing I keep in mind when I'm trying to write my slashers is that, like... No matter what, there's gonna be this plot already exists somehow. Somehow. No matter what the fuck I come up with, there's always gonna be another equivalent to it. And all I have to do is have better characters than that one. Yeah. And so and so that makes it way easier because then you watch one movie, or or in my case, when I'm watching when I'm writing my Friday thirteenth reboot, I watch all those movies and I go, Holy shit, it's not hard to write a good version of this. <laughs> And then I write a good version of it. Ah, uh, yes, that's true, that's true. I do want to watch more Friday the 13th movies. I've seen the first one, I was not happy with it. No, no. You watched the first Friday the 13th? Yes, I did. I did. That, that is, um, I think, the second worst one. Okay. In my opinion. Okay. I really don't like that movie. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Me neither. I didn't really care for it. Um, I will say if you if you I I want I wouldn't recommend going through the whole franchise. It is my favorite horror franchise of all time. I do think most of them are really bad, mm. but part six and part seven are lots of fun. Okay, I'll keep that in mind. Part seven got chopped to bits by the MPAA, but what remains is all right. Okay, so so after the chimney failed to that Harrian, he climbs back down to the ground and find a way to access the house through one of these little windows that leads into the basement. And I'm like, wouldn't they be locked? Yeah, probably. Eh, oh well. This allows Harry to creep through the house, put out some presents, and then he catches a glimpse of a kid spying on him. And he goes down the hallway, checks on the kids in their bedroom, and they're apparently fast asleep. Also, at this point, his face is turning grayish and sweaty. Props to the makeup. Oh, yeah, the, like, there's something about the production design and the makeup in this movie that's, like, like, I, I, there's no way they thought about it that hard, but, like, there's a lot of thought put into it. It looks good! It looks, and makes Santa look very menacing, intimidating. He's going off as vodka. Oh, my goodness. And, and then he heads into Frank and Jean's bedroom, and Harry 
says, You want it all, Frank, but you're no longer a child. Waking up, Frank. Then Harry suffocates him with a sack, pushing the sack yeah. down on his head. And then he picks up his Christmas star topper from nearby and slices Frank's carotid artery. And his body lands on his wife. And Harry runs out of there, passes the two kids who smile creepily at him. And then we hear Jean scream, at which point Harry flees the scene. I love that. Yeah, this is... I'm, I'm just realizing now, like, how quick this movie is, because, like, that's, like, the third last scene. <laughs> There's not a lot after this. It's a good kill. It's not not my favorite. I, th- I would say my favorite kill is that axe one, just because I love the way that's filmed. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, it's a good one. It, it's definitely... Yeah. It's, it's the third best. <laughs> I'll give it that. Yeah. I think it's the only, I think there's only three kills anyways. Yeah. I like how Jean is just so shocked when her, when her husband's body dance on her. Yeah. I like that. I like the kids. They're so creepy when they smile at Santa. And then we cut to Christmas Day at Philip and Jackie's place. Philip believes something's wrong with Harry, but Jackie doesn't believe him. And there's a TV report of the murderous Santa. And then Philip and Jackie argue in front of the kids. Which, I'm like, don't do that. Kids are getting two Christmases. <gasps> and Philip yells at Dennis, one of the sons, to turn down the volume, which he does apologize for very quickly afterwards. Doesn't twice? I feel like he does that earlier. It right? was before, earlier too. Earlier for the volume. For the Thanksgiving parade. Yeah. Oh my god. Damn kids are too loud. And Philip continues to worry about Harry and, and his emotional state. Which, you know, reasonable, reasonable, because now, Harry is waking up in his van, and he goes into the Jolly Dream factory, and he starts up the conveyor belt to let the toys fall off to the floor, and build up into, into the little piles. And then we cut to the standard lineup at the police station. One of them complains that he got arrested in front of all the children. Ah, the injustice. And also, one of the detectives, Detective Gleason, says that maybe all the Santa Claus murder crap will reinvigorate children's fear of the mythical figure. I just, I love how fucking old that detective is. That detective is like 800 years old. <laughs> uh, brother was alive when Christmas started. <laughs> like, Yeah, centuries and centuries. And, by the way, Gleason, he's played by Raymond J. Berry, who has quite a few notable credits in his filmography. He was in Training Day, Falling Down, Flubber, Cool Runnings, Born on the Fourth of July, Dead Man Walking. Oh, Cool Runnings? Yep. Hey, that, that relates to me. I live in the place where that takes place. Yay! I, um, I drive by the the Canadian Olympic Park Yay. quite frequently. That's, that's where those Jamaican bobsledders uh, went down. That's actually where I had my high school graduation, and there's somewhere there's a photo of me in my grad outfit in the Jamaican <gasps> bobsled. <laughs> yeah, it's still I, there. I haven't seen it. I haven't Shout seen out it. Alberta. I haven't seen that movie yet. Oh, me neither. <laughs> me neither. I just know it's like one of the only movies that was filmed in my province that actually takes place there. Because <laughs> like otherwise, it's like Brokeback Mountain and Tucker and Dale versus Evil, which I think both are like Midwest states. <laughs> Raymond J. Berry was also in Dead Man Walking, Walk Hard, The Dewey Cox Story, and The Purge Election Year. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> what, a, what a dud to end. 
I have only seen the first Purge movie. Not not the first Purge, I mean. I mean the, the Purge. Yeah. The first movie. <laughs> not to be confused with the first Purge. The first Purge movie. You know what? It That's one of those weird... That That's another franchise where I would argue the first one is one of the worst. The first one is really uninspired yeah. and really boring. It is... It made me mad because I came up with such a good idea while watching it the last time where I was like, why is there not a Purge movie about some guy who had his family killed last Purge and he's been waiting an entire year to get revenge? Yeah. That's so perfect. Why? Like, why is it I want, like, a homeless guy to spend an entire year training to just take down the rich fuckers that killed his family. It kind of happened in the second movie, right? Yeah. Anarchy is a little like that. That's why I like Anarchy probably the best. Although, full disclaimer, I've seen that movie once and I was on an incredible amount of acid. <laughs> <laughs> like, I do not remember it. Okay, okay. It's just that... Yeah, don't don't ask why. I watched three different horror movies when I took acid for the first time in my life. It was, it was, wow. purge, it was purge Anarchy and um, Jeremy Saulnier's Murder Party. Oh. And it chapter one, all of which I thoroughly enjoyed while I was in talks. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, it's just that the purge. I really think it could have been so much better, but it, it but been. it wastes its opportunity. It's trapped itself inside a house. It's basically a home invasion movie. It, it has the the entire purge franchise. Honestly, has this problem where like it so clearly wants to be about something. And it cannot fucking decide. Yeah. And it is too afraid to commit to actually talking about those things. Because, yeah. like, it gets really close, like, in the in the movie The First Purge. I think it takes place in maybe Staten Island. It's, it's somewhere that's locked off. It's a lower-income city. I heard about that. And that's kind of cool, but they don't really do anything with it. Uh. Like, that's what that, that that's what those movies should be about. Is It is about living in capitalism is The Purge. Yeah, I mean... You have to fucking kill people or you're getting killed. I feel like someday I might do a podcast on the purge because I think it would it would it would make for some interesting conversations, but who oh boy, again a bad movie. It is it is not good. Yeah. Oh wow. Harry calls Philip and says, He's found a tune finally. So everyone dances too. And he's like, It's my version and it works. And then Harry says he read a poem once that says, every time you shave, you see yourself one day closer to dying. <gasps> Just threw that in there. Harry, Harry's saying some weird shit a lot. Yeah, yeah. And now Philip and Jackie are crying, as they should be. They're worries. Yeah. And then Harry drives out his van, and then he runs into some snow, and it gets stuck. And then he steps out into his neighborhood that's lined with all of these glowing Santas and those sleighs. And there's a moment where he stares up at the big moon, and I love the look, the look of this whole scene. I adore it. It's just like, oh, oh, it's beautiful. The lighting. It's fantastic. The lighting. There's actually a quote that I want to pull up here from a review. It's a review by Tom Huddleston from Time Out, who gave the movie a score of 4 out of 5. And Tom Huddleston said, it's a great looking film too. One shot of a suburban street Lined with glowing reindeer, looks more like Spielbergian sci-fi than low-budget horror. Bizarre, fascinating, thoughtful, and well worth a look. I'd agree with that. Yeah. It's a very fantasy realism movie. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, even the- I think it really, it really works with the subject matter. I think, I think it's one of the definitely the strong suit. Definitely is the way it's not afraid to kind of get weird with it within reason. Even, even the same individual says, in contrast to most slasher flicks, this isn't about anything as simple as revenge. Jackson's concerns are bigger: social responsibility, personal morality, and a gaping gulf between society's stated aims at Christmas time, charity, hope, goodwill to all men, and the plight of those left on the outside, the children, the mentally ill, the ones who don't fit in. Yes, I, I agree with yeah, that. It's, I agree with that. It, yeah, I completely agree with that. I think this is a very good-spirited... We t- like, I talk a lot about mean-spirited horror movies. Like, those Terrifier movies are incredibly mean-spirited. I'm sure they are. This, I, I would argue this is one of those really good-spirited horror movies that has no right to be as good-spirited as it is. Interesting, it, it, okay. It really, I think it takes a really decent moral high ground that I honestly don't even disagree with. Like, I understand why Harry doing what he's doing is bad, but I also get why he's doing it. Again, yeah, 100%. I one hundred percent. I support him, when except he... for the creepy shit he does to kids. That's yeah, that's unrelated. <laughs> but I, I, I support him, like you know, delivering the toys and stuff, and yeah, like, and he kills the, the the he wants to kill those executives, which I get. Yeah, yeah. Plus, the executives also the lives so unfortunately damaged. Yeah, and also the big moon when he steals our bedes. Set up for later. Oh, yes, it is. Yep, yep. And then Harry runs into some children, one of whom points out the dirty state of his suit, and he blames it on environmental pollution. This movie's taking a chance. Yes, and the nearby adults are terrified. One guy, Joe, sees the dark fur of Harry's suit, and is like, hey, that's the killer, because we know that the Santa killer has dark fur for his suit. So, Joe, Whips out a switchblade and threatens Harry. And I'm just like, Joe, you're a moron. And the kids gather in front of Santa to defend him. Both Joe's daughter and his wife try to stop him, but Joe pushes down his wife. And then and then the daughter picks up his knife, hands it to Harry. And meanwhile, the girl is just smiling there, and Harry just takes the knife, briefly struggles with Joe. Doesn't kill anyone here. I was surprised by that. He does not, yeah. I was I was shocked. Yes, and then Harry runs off and gets his face cut a little by an elderly woman who takes off this little, I don't know, what, is it a boutonniere, what do you call it? She takes it off and uses its pen to cut his face. Yeah, I don't know what I'd call that. Uh, I'll, call it, I'll call it a boutonniere. And then Harry gets chased by a torch-wielding mob. I love how the movie cuts to... People bringing out their torches. Oh, it is! It is great. And this is such a lengthy pursuit of Harry running around and finally escaping in his van with a mob chasing after him. And I'm like, okay, but what if this mob mentality ended up targeting the wrong Santa? Yeah. Oh, that's worrisome. It's like that scene in Halloween Ends. <laughs> Uh, I or no Halloween Kills. I've I've only seen the first Halloween movie. I still want to see more. What the fuck, man? Watch movies. <laughs> no, um, you're killing me. That's another franchise. Uh, I would here. Here's my recommended viewing order. Oh, and um, people who have seen all of these are might call me a motherfucker for this. It goes Halloween one, 
Halloween 3, Halloween Ends, that's fucking all you need. Wow! You can skip every other one, I fucking promise. Wow! Halloween Ends is the only one of the new trilogy that does anything interesting. Okay. And it's not, like, great, but at least it's something. Well, as someone who needs to watch the movies in order, I'm not gonna do that personally, but I, I guess- oh, Some of it. <laughs> I guess- go through so much trash. <laughs> I guess where you're coming from. Oh, you know what? I would also recommend watching those Rob Zombie ones, which I know is blasphemy, but at least there's something different. It, it's a you might not like it, but it's a new take on the character. Okay, I know. I will I've, give it that credit. I've never seen a Rob Zombie movie. He's great. I I described him on Twitter last week as like if Zack Snyder made horror movies only. I like, I saw that. I saw that tweet. Kind of kind of got the same thing going on where it's like you can tell that like. His movies should be really good because he has such a clear, like, intention with them. But they just aren't. Uh, and it's, a, it's kind of a bummer. Sad. And then next, Harry rushes to Philip's place. And he's like, everyone has rejected my tune, but I know I'm right. And the kid tells her dad, don't hurt Uncle Harry. And Jackie shuffles him upstairs. Good lord, I feel bad for what these children have had to witness their dad act like recently. <laughs> Maybe they'll need some, some therapy. Yeah, probably. And Philip finally realizes Harry is guilty, after all, of being a murderer. And then they get into an argument about how it was, it was Philip who didn't want Santa, who disbelieved in him, and Harry has been holding a grudge against him for that. And Harry... It says, Philip, it's just like the people outside who who don't want me, who don't want Santa. I think Jeffrey DeMunn does a really good job in this scene of, like, you can tell that he's, like, he's trying not to... It's his brother, but he's accepting that it's not anymore. Yeah, he's happy to reckon with that. Like, some grief, almost. Sorrow. Mm -hmm. And just, and frustration. Vexation. Yeah. And Harry goes on. He's like, Philip doesn't believe in anything. All children love Santa. All children love me. And Philip strangles Harry till he loses consciousness. And he does this while Jackie is calling out to him. And he's like, Phil! Phil! And I was like, did Philip just kill his brother? No, I thought that too. And I guess you could technically read it as that, given the ending of the film. I think that's a stupid way to read that ending. Uh, <laughs> but um no yeah he just chokes about i would say no because it's too short yeah he strangled him too quickly yeah it's it's not he's not he's not dying yeah like you need you need to really choke someone for several minutes to actually kill them whereas yeah. if it's for a much shorter amount of time you just make them lose consciousness you knock them out yeah yeah and Philip dragged his body outside and into the van's front seat. Why not the passenger seat? Well, because it's his car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure, sure, yes. Respectfully, put him in his driver's seat. And and now, Harry awakens. He regains consciousness. He punches Philip and then drives off with Philip racing he after him. He punches him out. Well, not completely, though, because Philip races after him. But he, like, gets him down. He gets him down, yes, yes. And and Harry veers his van away from this oncoming mob. And then his brother chases after him, tumbles down a snowy hill. And then the van drives right off a bridge and into open air towards the moon, 
with his brother looking on, and the voiceover plays over this ending. When I heard him exclaim as he drove out of sight, Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. It is it is truly one of the fucking greatest endings I've ever seen in my life. And I was um, oh. I was in class, so when I watched this movie, I watched up until like right before that scene with the guy who pulls the switchblade. And so I was in class watching this and I was losing my mind and I was like hitting my friend beside me going like why the fuck does this movie have a grease ending? and it's really it's beautiful and i fucking love it and my my personal belief is that he literally just drove over the guardrail and died you know what i honestly i'm into that as well but that he actually is santa well yes there's there's a small part of me that wants to be like no he did become santa he did drive off into the sky it's the christmas spirit the spirit it fueled him and by the way John Waters, he did love the ending of this movie. It's a great ending. Yeah, and oh, also, it's Harry. It's Harry doing the voiceover, apparently, doing Froze yeah. the Night Before Christmas. And Lewis Jackson adds that he attended a screening on 42nd Street, quote, and the audience was throwing things at the screen. Waters understands the frustration as, quote, exploitation audiences always have a certain trouble with surrealism, unquote. Yeah, I don't get it. People hate it when when movies try to do surreal endings, and I'm like, yeah, that's what a fucking movie is. Like, ah, uh, also, movies have always been surreal. Have you seen the Cabinet of Doctor Caligari? That movie's the fucking central. I need to see it. <laughs> like, I need to see it. I I don't love it. it. It of the of that like early era of cinema, it's not my favorite, but I understand the appreciation. Okay. Okay. It's a beautiful movie. Uh, oh. Apparently the scene where Harry breaks into a house and kills a man in bed was shot in a real house, but the homeowners wouldn't let them film in the bedroom. Who lived there? Asked Waters, Ozzy, and Harriet? They had to build the bedroom at another location. <laughs> so, is, is John Waters doing the commentary track for this movie? <laughs> there is a commentary track with him and Lewis Jackson. Oh, it's both of them. That's awesome. Yeah. Although. Oh shit. Okay, I gotta find that. Okay, but he, but I would say though, apparently Jackson interjects himself over the commentary at one point to say that the stretches of silence broken only by Waters' giggling were probably due to Waters forgetting that he was recording a commentary. That that fucking checks. I would absolutely believe that he would get too wrapped up in the movie and just forget about it. <laughs> That's what I have done. Also, there's another trivia fact here. The first kill doesn't occur until the 50-minute mark. And unfortunately, this this article doesn't say who the quote is from. But there's a quote here that goes, I'm glad you did it it at Midnight Mass, too. They were in there being so judgmental. I think it might be John Waters. That sounds like a Waters. John Waters. That sounds like a Waters. Yeah, John Waters. (laughs) That that, that absolutely checks that he would say that. Okay, look. The more I collect information about him, the more I feel like I would like his movies. No, listen, John Waters is the funniest fucking man on the planet, because, like, he's showing up in that Chucky show. He's showing up as the guy that created the good guy doll. Right, I heard about and that. And that is the absolute perfect role for him, because he he might as well be. He's like he's like Don Mancini's, like, weird uncle. <laughs> like, he's yeah. awesome. He has, like, a, he has a joy about things that that's hard to miss, and, like, 
Yeah, I, I can I do think that. he really is one of the last last really great filmmakers that are still alive, and it's really bumming me out that I don't think I'll ever be able to go to his Christmas party. Oh, I should write him a letter and be like, "Please, Mr. Waters, please." Yes, do it. Got the gumption. I will. I will. I will come. <laughs> I will dress up as Harry from Christmas Evil. <laughs> also, George DeSouza was originally cast to play the lead. But when he arrived, Who? he immediately expressed interest in rewriting the script. Jackson replaced him. Who was the original guy? George DeZunza. George DeZunza? Yes, apparently apparently he was in he was in The Waltons, Skokie, Open All Night, No Way Out, The Beast, Basic Instinct, Crimson Tide, Dangerous Minds, Law and Order, Jesse. I think I think Brandon was the right choice. Shadia Hunter. I kept um I kept thinking, I would love to make this movie, but with, like, John Goodman. Oh! <laughs> Very <laughs> like, interesting. Like, okay. Like, like some weird character actor like that. Yes, yes, maybe. I don't know. Christopher Walken. Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> Christopher Walken <laughs> is Christmas evil. <laughs> oh, you know what? You know what I just thought of? Ben Schwartz. Ben Schwartz. Oh, fucking. Oh, my God. Um... Oh my god, that would be great. No, it's. It, I think it's funny, because when you look at the profile picture for Brandon Maggart right now on Letterboxd, he looks more like Santa than he does in the beginning of this movie. I saw I saw, I saw that. I saw the photo. Yeah. Uh, so fitting, so fitting. Wow, that's our breakdown of Christmas Evil. Yay! Yeah, that was, that was wonderful. Yes, yes. Do you have any... Any more final thoughts on this movie? You know what? My real final thoughts are just that, like, go watch it. Oh, also, I don't know how this happens, but I found the soundtrack to this movie on vinyl oh. through Mondo. Mondo did a release of it, but it's sold out right now. So if anyone from Mondo's listening, bring it back for me. I fucking need it. I wake up at night screaming oh. that I don't have the Christmas Evil soundtrack on vinyl. Oh, yes, yes. I don't own any scores on vinyl. That's the one where I'm like, I fucking, I need it. It's just so good. Yeah. For no reason. It is, it is. Because, like, it's probably some composer who never worked again. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just, it lists three composers here, and for each of them, okay, well, so for two of them, this is the only work composing-wise. For Don Christensen, that's the third composer. There are a few other credits, but... Oh, he's got he's got a short film on the Criterion channel that he composed. Yeah. But other than that, okay. like, Christmas Evil is the big thing for the composers. The three composers here. Don Christensen, is, is, is Don Christensen Julia Hayward, and Joel Harris. And Oh, and then Ricardo Aronovich is the cinematographer. He sent him a yeah, I was just checking him out. And he's got Missing on his oeuvre. Missing starring Jack Lemmon and Sissy Spacek. For a second, I thought you were saying that he went missing. And I was like, what? No, the movie Missing. Okay. Directed by Cossack. I did not know. Directed by Cossack Avenue. Jack Lemmon. Who's the other guy? Jack Lemmon and... John Shea? I can't remember. No, the other guy from Grumpy Old Men. Oh, Grumpy Old Men? Yeah, fuck. What is the guy's name? Grumpy Walter Matthau. That's his oh, name. <laughs> I couldn't remember. Which I haven't seen. I haven't uh, seen that. I'm just noticing both of those guys are in JFK. Um, Ooh. Anyways, yeah, that's. I think that's all I have to say about Christmas Evil at this point. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll just say that Christmas Eve was a great time. I'm glad that when I reached out to you, Robin, that you suggested it. Because otherwise, I don't think I would have checked out this movie anytime soon. Yeah, it's um, it, it's one of those movies that you really gotta convince people is worth the time. I find, yeah. because it, it's so... It sounds fucking terrible. Yeah, but it's actually good. It's actually good. It is. Uh, it is very good. I mean, again, the visual, it's the acting, the the, the themes. Uh, oh, I gobbled it all up. Mm, Harry Stadling. Oh, yeah. I feel like Harry should be on one list of iconic horror characters. For sure. Like, I think th- this movie deserves... The, the notoriety that Silent Night, Deadly Night gets because it's the, the difference of like both of these movies are really fun to watch because they're not made by professionals but one of them was made as a good movie and then the other one's Silent Night, Deadly Night because all of those movies are garbage trash made for garbage trash <laughs> whereas this one was like Let's do a character study on a guy that really likes Santa. And it's a very wonderful character study. It's Nope, and he's processing uh, I, he's processing his Christmas PTSD. My official um actually I'll wait for the good word to get to that part. Oh, well, that's a great segue then, because we have talked so much about Christmas Evil. Now it's time to segue onward to good word. This is the segment. We each of us get to recommend something, a book, a movie, a TV show, a podcast, music, anything we want. So, Robin, what is your good word? So, my my good word is, is including this movie, I think, a wonderful double feature that would be absolutely hilarious would be, um, I'm going to recommend you do this movie, you take a 30-minute drinking break, and then you uh, move on to Alexander Payne's The Holdovers. <laughs> Uh, which is also a wonderful Christmas movie. It will make you cry. I think this is the funniest double feature I've ever come up with in my entire life. Wow. It's such a okay. serious movie. But it's also really funny. Okay. Uh, yeah, I ooh, I can't wait to watch the holdovers. Yeah. Giamatti for the Oscar is all I'm saying. Not only Paul Giamatti for the Oscar, also Dominic Sessa, the co-lead, who I've heard acting love, debut. I had I've heard lots of love for him. First performance ever, he kills it. Yeah, and he destroys it. And who, and and then who's the other actor? Is it is it Divine? Uh, Divine Joy Randolph, I believe. Yes, yes, that, that's her. I've heard lots of love yeah. for her as well. She's really good. I think part of what makes The Holdover such a great movie for Christmas is that the movie's about loss, but in three different ways. Or it's it's about not having someone to spend the holidays with in three different ways. Oh, okay. Maybe even four. It it it, it really attacks that idea of being lonely at Christmas. I think really fucking well. Okay, so so that's your your good word is to do a double feature of these two. That's it. Yes. With, with the drinking break. Uh, drinking break. Yeah, with the drinking break, drink some Jaeger maybe. <laughs> nice, perfect, suitable. Yeah, yeah. And then my good word. I want to keep up the Christmas team here, and sure, this episode is going to be released after Christmas, but still, I'm going with Christmas team here, and picking the 2007 single location Christmas time thriller slash horror movie P2, which I rewatched earlier today because I'm actually doing a podcast guest spot on it on the, the podcast, Men Who Like Men Who Like Movies, and I really had a blast. 
diving back into this, I saw this a few years ago, and it, it stuck with me. So when when I you know was able to organize the guest spot on the on the show with Satan and Sean on that podcast, and I picked P two because I'm like, hey, you know, this will give me a good excuse to watch the movie and then let me watch it. So it holds up. It's got some great creepy tension. It's got some nice clever little, little twists and turns. I always like how movies in these single location settings, they'll present an obstacle. The movies will be like, hey, we're going to trap people or trap a person or people in this location. What obstacles will they have to overcome in order to try to escape it and survive and face off against any, any murderers or monsters who stand in their way? And I think this movie does a great job with that. It does some interesting, smart little things while trapping this character, Angela, this office worker, inside an office building. And the majority of the movie takes place not just in, in an office building, but in a parking garage, of all places. And it manages to make this convincing. And on top of that, it takes place on Christmas Eve, it's got Christmas decorations, it has a whole scene revolving around Blue Christmas by Elvis Presley, and I absolutely adore that scene. It's got a character in the movie who's all lonely, he feels isolated around the holidays, so it's definitely a Christmas movie. And I also really appreciate the star performances in it. Rachel Nichols plays Angela. She's the one who's trying to escape. And I like how genuinely terrified she is in her performance. Really makes me believe in her as she's horrified, as she's summoning up her grit to endure these frightening circumstances. And then, whereas Bentley, he plays the villain. And like, I remembered how creepy he was, but holy crap, he is so menacing in this movie. He can be both charming and polite, but then he can flip a switch and just turn into a monster who's all volatile and murderous. And even just like the eyes and the grin that he puts on, like you can feel the evil just lurking behind those features. In general, I'm a little surprised Wes Bentley hasn't had a bigger career because I always find him to be interesting whenever he pops up. You know, like when he shows you know up, what it is? Wes Bentley. Yeah, you know why he doesn't have a bigger career? Why? It's those goddamn American horror stories. Those those Wait. pieces of shit are keeping him from his true potential. Wait, he's on that show? Yeah, and he, he's terrible because it's a terrible show. Oh! He's really good otherwise. He, he's, he's, he's really prevalent in Hotel, which is the worst season okay. that I've seen. I stopped watching okay. after Hotel. Okay. That's, that's sad. You know, again, I like him whenever he pops up. You know, he's been in stuff like Ghost Rider, Interstellar, uh, We Are Your Friends, and yeah. I feel like no one knows about We Are Your Friends. Have you seen We Are Your Friends? I have not. It's a movie with Zac Efron, and oh, it's, about, nice. it's about a DJ. It's about this DJ who wants to be, who wants to make his dreams big, go to Hollywood, and I remember watching We Are Your Friends a few years ago as well, and I remember kind of liking it. Nice. It can't get sentimental though at times, too mockish sometimes. But uh, I still I remember liking it. And Wes Bentley isn't it? Isn't it? Oh, that's right, Wes Bentley. He was also in Peace Dragon, the reboot. Nice. Yeah. Oh, Gone. That Amanda Seyfried movie that looks really bad. What does it have? Um, what does it have a score on Rotten Tomatoes? Twelve percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Jesus. And thirty-six percent on Metacritic. But you know what? Someday I'll still watch Gone to see for myself if it's really that bad. Because you know what? It does have Amanda Seyfried and Wes Bentley. Yeah. Oh, hey! Sebastian Stan? Maybe. Oh, shit! 
and Jennifer Carpenter, which I guess fans of Dexter will love that. So that's my thing. P2. Good word. Love it. And gory too. Some great brutal violence. Nice. Robin, thank you so much for coming on. Right. Promote your socials online with your stuff. Yeah, um, so I'm currently, if you want to find me on Instagram, I have an art account where I post my like paintings and uh, photography stuff, uh, which is uh, just robin.zabukovic. And then I have a movie coming out soon, actually, which I literally remembered right before I started this call. I called up my friend and I was like, shit, when, when is that releasing? So in, in February, I have a movie called Closed for Cleaning. It's a real short kind of concept, uh, film that I made with my good buddy, Spencer, who's at a place called Orange Hat Media, which is the YouTube channel it will be premiering on. And it's a short little short little thing about a janitor being haunted by a demon. Nice. It, it was lots of fun. I was the director of photography. This is my second of hopefully three collaborations with Spencer as my director and me as the director of photography. So yeah, keep an eye out for that. Nice, nice. And as for my socials, you can find this podcast on Twitter and Instagram as two underscore sense critic. You can follow my personal accounts on Twitter. Good Pods, StoryGraph, Letterboxd, and TikTok at Andrew underscore and 18. If you want to email me, you can reach me at email 2centscritic at yahoo.com. You can also check out my blog at 2centscritic.com. You can find me on Goodreads at Arthur Howell. And make sure you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's on Spotify, iTunes, Good Pods, CastBox, etc. Make sure you do the ratings and reviews especially because they really do help to spread out to more listeners, more ears, and I'll be doing some short film stuff as well very soon. Like, I I, was, I had a vocal role in... Oh, yes, yes, friend, I saw it. And a friend of mine, Connor's short film. Wait, did you actually see it? Yes, I did. I watched it the other day. Nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, uh, you did a pretty good job, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Yes, a little longer, that's the short, and it's like, it's not out publicly yet, but it will be out soon, so, uh, you know, listeners, keep an eye out for that, and I'll promote this more in the future as well. I'm very excited. I'm glad Connor brought me on. Yeah, it's a, it's a good little short. Yes. I'm a little butthurt he didn't get me. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an actor. Neither am I, but, you know, I tried to summon of my voice for that. Yeah. Oh, well, again, thank you so much, Robin, for coming back on for this little podcast. It was an emergency. Thank you for coming in as an emergency. Very thankful yeah, for no that. problem. And the final episode of 2023. And yay, final episode 2023, final episode of Two Cents Critic, Merry Month. That's how we wrap up the Christmas celebrations, holiday celebrations. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah to all. Happy Kwanzaa to all. Yeah, happy holidays. Happy Festivus. Yes. That's on the 23rd. Yes. Festivus. Uh, um, uh. Yeah. Again, thank you so much, Robin. Uh. Yeah, no problem. And until next time, stay healthy and stay strong. And Happy New Year!